what led you, um, and I know, so I, I, I think, you know, we have that in common. We're still car guys, right? Derek and I always say we're car guys in the marketing business. We're not marketing guys trying to sell to car guys, right? And, and yep. you know, I, like we're like-minded that way. The three of us, um, we came from the business. So um, that's another reason I think we connected right away. And there's a lot of other people in that boat on here. Um, so I know I, from what I understand, you sold a dealership and that made you start a, a marketing company. Is that correct? Well, you know what, actually marketing was always my side, my side gig. So I had originally gone to school, uh, for marketing. You know, I, I literally thought that I was going to, you know, come up with the next bum 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 bum, you know, and then I just kind of got sucked into, you know, auto sales and, um, I, I never finished college. I didn't finish getting my degree because I was just making so much money selling cars. It just made more sense to do that. Um, so right around 2008, when I had moved actually here to Canada, I, um, I, you know, I couldn't quite find a dealer group because actually there wasn't a whole lot of structured dealer groups actually here in Canada in 2008. And the groups that did exist here were more of like just a group of dealers, not necessarily a dealer group, you know? So uh, I had started an agency then, and that was just kind of my side job, but just kind of running AdWords for dealerships and uh, consulting on BDC operations and internet operations, kind of why I bounced around from kind of thing to thing. And so that I've always kind of had this, this agency called Digital Dealership Solutions. And um, I eventually became a VP of marketing for a large automotive group here in Canada. Um, and then I had an opportunity to start my own dealership, which was something I had always wanted to do, you know, really kind of put my money where my mouth is and just execute on the kind of operational strategies that I always felt, felt needed at the dealership level. So I went and bought the most challenging brand you possibly could. I bought a Mitsubishi dealership, which was really a used car dealership with a flag out front. Um, <laughs> actually, you know, I remember why it was so easy. I remember I decided I wanted to go buy a, a dealership, right? And you got to get a floor plan. Well, it's not overly easy just to kind of walk into the bank. People just walk into the bank and say, hey, can you give me four and a half million dollars? I, I got to go start a, a dealership, you know? And um, it, it, that's a difficult thing to do. So I knew I had to get a flag. I knew I had to get a flag out front. And uh, I was actually this close to closing on a deal with uh, to purchase a Hyundai dealership when I got into conversations with Mitsubishi. And it was just night and day difference. You know, going through the process with Hyundai, it was more like, what are you going to do for us? What are you going to do for us? What are you going to do for us? And then when I got into the conversation with Mitsubishi, it was like, here's what we can do for you. Here's yeah. what we can do for you. Here's what we can do for you. And it was just, I was like, you know what? That's kind of cool. You know, I, I, I dig the product. It's a little aged, you know, but the 10 year warranty and I just like, it feels like a challenge and Yep. So I signed up on it and uh, man, right after the sec the day I signed on uh, the dotted line on the Mitsubishi deal, I think the bank called me instead of me calling the bank and they're like, so how much would you like for a floor plan? I'm like, I'm like all of oh, it, all of it. So they're like, no problem. It'll be in your account tomorrow. I was like, holy crap, that was easy. Um, <laughs> so uh, about six months into having the Mitsubishi dealership, uh, I was approached by Mitsubishi saying, we have another failing dealership in a city next to you. Would you be interested in taking over a second location? And I didn't want to be rude. And I, so I came up with this, like I took the weekend, I took, came up with this really long yeah. list to send to the CEO of like all the uh, things I would need, to, to, all the things I would need to get it done. That, I just assumed that, you know, they would be coming back to me going, oh no, we can't do that. And then I could bow out gracefully. Um, sure enough, I sent him a little list and within 24 hours, he called me up and said, okay, we're good. I'm like, sorry, you're good with what? 
uh, everything. I'm like, oh crap, I just took over a second location. So within six months into being a young brand new dealer principal, we had a second location. And uh, that, was, uh, that was a challenge, you know, but uh, we really embraced the used car side of the business, but definitely the non-prime side of the business because where the two locations were, were heavy, heavy non-prime or subprime or whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, we just, we had a blast doing it. Awesome. That's, that's great. So um, I'm, I'm going to say one thing about Jason before I leave uh, and get on to some other people, but um, you know, he, he's, he can be controversial. His, his post can be controversial. He says what he thinks. Not intentionally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He says what he thinks. He says what he feels. Um, but he really is the nicest guy in the world. So um, if you, if you interact with him, uh, if you disagree with him, he's just still so kind and nice about it. So, um, we have a lot of respect for him at think ad group and I know a lot of you do too. So we appreciate you coming on one more time and I'm going to try to move on. Um, Derek, what you got for us? What's up? What's up, Jason? What's going on, Derek? How are you? Good, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. We really appreciate it. Oh, no, this is fun. Look at the, look at this it's a bunch of great, Good looking yeah. people here spending their, their late night after working an entire day, listening to me talk. Like I feel, I feel great, grateful. Thank you guys. Oh, well, well, we sure do appreciate it. Um, my question to you is kind of a funny one. So I'll, I'll tell you, and hopefully you, you, you remember this, but the first video I saw you was early on during the quarantine of this year. Okay. You, I, and I laughed hysterically over it. And I want to ask you about that video. Hey, that okay, so, and I'm going to start saying it. And as I go along, I'm going to have you start to pick it up and, and go on with it. God, I but hope it, it wasn't the, the one where my kid walked in randomly <laughs> and I started yelling and then forgot to edit that part. Sorry, go ahead. What was it? Was it? Was it? It, no. um, it was a video that I saw about, um, obviously you have a natural uh, branding for the color orange, which I love. I think it's sick. And I saw why you like the color orange and I liked that video. And I think it was either that video or another video that I saw where this part was in it. But there was a time you were at a conference and you were in the bathroom. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was the and <laughs> I think it was, so I died laughing. I was, it, this is the first, it was either the first second video I saw of you and I was just hilarious. And, and then I started watching all your content and following you. But, um, you talked about how a gentleman came into the bathroom. And you're oh, the dude, it was the most, it was the most awkward thing in the world. Let me just put it out to people. He wasn't taking a leap. Yeah, okay, okay that's what he's doing, right? And anybody who's you're doing an amazing lot, job setting this up, by the way. Keep and anybody who's traveled a lot, like myself, Steve Larinaga, all these guys that have traveled a lot, we used to call it peeking through the crack. Or you would look under, right? So there was like some airports had cracks that big where you look in, you're like, hey, what's up dude i know you bro but in this case it wasn't that way jason if you guys don't know he's got some really fly shoe game and it matches with those like shoes yes. good color and i think that time he had some nike air maxes on some orange nike yep. air, if i'm not mistaken or air force ones they were one some of the air, air yeah i think they're my air force ones but yeah they were air force ones yeah i'm a big sneakerhead. i knew the shoes immediately when you were talking about them so from this point, I'm just going to say that somebody saw his shoes under the stall and said, 
Jason Harris, is that you? So Dude, I'm it, it was the most like, awkward oh. moment in the world. Was, it's just not typically a place that you expect to strike up a conversation, you know, between the, the wall of a stall, you know, when you're just kind of sitting there doing your thing, hanging out. And uh, yeah, it, and it was, it was so funny too, because it, it first came with a knock. So it was kind of like a, and I was like, mm, okay, I, maybe he's out of toilet paper. Like, <laughs> do I need to kind of, you know, kind of help, help a buddy out and kind of hand something over to him. And then another, a second knock came and I was like, I'm like, uh, yeah, how, how, is there anything I can help you out with? He's like, Hey, you're that Jason Harris guy, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah. Hey man, love the shoes. And then he just went into talking about how much he loved following along the content and is one of his favorite videos. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> it was, <laughs> needless to say, uh, I got out of the stall. We both washed our hands and then shook because back then you could actually shake hands. Yeah. Well, I, I want to admit that that was me that did that to you. So I apologize <laughs> ahead of time. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, that was, that was a funny story. But um, that's not the question I wanted to ask you. But I wanted to bring that up. But the, the question I wanted to ask you is, you're really big into branding. And you, you, you often talk about branding. Yes. How important is it in your opinion as a, as a, I'm a marketing business owner, mm -hmm. I've got my guys, how important is it with post content to post it away that, that not to always post it to the content page, but to post it personally around the brand. So when you're building the brand or you're, or you're posting content, yep. you know, is it, what's the right way to do that? Well, I, I think you just have to kind of be true to what your brand is, right? I mean, the the the, the worst the worst the worst thing. Can you help me, please? We can mute. That was awesome. That's like the best sound bite of the night, actually. Yeah. Um, I found him. I found him. I got him muted. New ringtone. Down. No, I look. I look. I think when it comes to being like having a brand, it's just it's just being true to to whatever yeah. the brand is. Like, I look the consumer, or if if you're a B two C or you're a B two B play, whatever it is. All right. Um, like the other party has got a heck of a snozzer on them, right? They can smell out a fake brand really, really quick. So if it's not necessarily you, or it's something that you're comfortable, you know, executing or being or talking about, they know super, super fast. So, you know, I, I'm always telling people that you build your brand around what you're passionate about. And that may not necessarily be what you actually do for a living. Right. You know, I, I feel like sometimes in social media, we seem to like want to kind of define ourselves by our position and our responsibilities. And that's how we kind of like value. And that's not necessarily the case, right? In social media, proper social media, right? People value you and your content and your brand based upon the passion that you have for what you put out there. Now, look, it just happens to work out for me that I'm super passionate about the color, color orange. That I'm super passionate about operations and I'm super passionate about marketing. Look, I don't golf. I don't fish. You know, uh, I do own a t ATV, so I do occasionally do, do that. But otherwise than that, I don't really have much other hobby than just good marketing and operations. So I think it's just kind of being true and owning that. Now, as far as executing on the brand, consistency is everything. And I just learned that from just 
actually just practice, just, just being practice, 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 practice. I remember I walked into a dealership one day and um, person didn't know who I was. General manager had no idea who I was and they saw the tie and they go, yeah, yeah. I remember you. I remember you. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I don't remember you at all, but you know, no, no, no. I remember you. We had this conversation and the way that he was explaining, I was like, holy crap. No, we seriously did have a conversation. I just could not place it at all. Little did I find out that he actually lost 70 pounds. So there was no way I was actually going to recognize him as a person at all because he literally lost, you know, the, the weight of a large Husky. Um, <laughs> but um but, but yeah, it was just, he couldn't remember my name, but he could remember just that color and that color association. And he even went as far as, you know what? No, I actually have one of your cell sheets. Reached into this drawer, pulled it open, and sure enough, pulled out this orange cell sheet, one of the first cell sheets that we had ever used. I was like, holy crap, you have, you, we have talked. And wow. it, would almost, it was probably almost 18 months or 24 months prior to we ever even put that creative out there. So consistency in the brand does make a big difference when you're connecting with others. That's awesome. That's awesome. Great stuff, man. I appreciate it. And again, we appreciate having you on. Uh, we, we really enjoy it, man. It's a, it's really honestly the biggest crowd we've ever had. So um, we, it's going to be fun. We, we love having you on. So that's enough for me, Justin. All right, let's go. Paul, you're raising your hand. What you got, Paul? Yeah, Jason, just a random question, but what's the hexadecimal code for the color orange you're wearing there? You know what? That's so funny that you're asking it because I can actually, I actually pull it up that. for you. I was gonna say because he is. <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's. Um, I know you're probably gonna pull it up before I even I pull it up. It yeah, is. It is oh, here it is. Here it is. It's E F seven one three one. Oh, you got it. <laughs> Thank now, you. The funny thing is the only reason I know that right this given moment is because Derek just asked me like a few days ago, I had WhatsApp my team asking what it was and they responded back to me. So the answer was sitting right there. Totally random. It's a good, a good question though. Now I'm curious what you're going to do with the information. <laughs> I told you I'd have to kill you. Yeah, fair enough. With those shades, I'm sure you probably could. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, Mike Larkin. Mike, he's been with the Think Tank from day one. I think he was there the first week. Um, there was probably six of us on. So, Mike, what you got? Hey, Think Tank. Um, yeah, my, my, I don't know what color my tie is by you. Close enough. Is it EF7131? Yeah, it's orange. Uh, Halloween. Um, hey, um, just a question on uh, bouncing off of the, uh, Derek's um, uh, commentary on your bathroom story. Would that be on the drive, the hustle, or the mo uh, the strategy mob? You like all the different formats I put out there? Uh, and I remember, Derek, I think that was a hustle video, wasn't it? I think it actually, you know what? It was probably, it was probably in a hustle that actually got turned into a micro tidbit that would have connected you to the full length hustle so that you can consume the full length hustle. So <laughs> yeah, that's probably got cut up into it. I think, and then there may have been a single image quote in there at some point in time as well. So it probably, that, that one little piece probably got cut up into six or eight different pieces, social pieces. <laughs> I love your stuff, man. You know that. Um, I know, man. I, we, we've been connected for such a long time. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. I can tell you, I probably talk, I've talked to Mike probably more often than <laughs> I talk to some of my own team members. Just, just so you guys know, Mike is just, he's in like, but I'll tell you what, like you're going to take, you got to take a note from Mike. Okay. 
when you talk about engagement, look, social media, there's two words, there's media and there's social. And I find a lot of people out there will get one portion and then poorly execute the other side of it. And Mike, dude, you crush the engagement and social part of social media. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. We're the mother. Hey, um, a serious question about um, the, the industry. Um, according to, to your thoughts, uh, there's a lot of movie parts like, you know, F&I, BDC, sales, delivery, HR, training. What in your eyes is the most important to fix in a dealership? When you go in, first thing you're noticing is, okay, I'm visiting all the departments. This department mm -hmm. is a hot mess. But what do dealerships need to, in your eyes, focus on that's most important? Of course, marketing, but other no, than actually, that. actually, you know what, though? Because I'm trying to think, because I'm trying to think of like all the different departments, right? And okay. I'll tell you right now, it's first impression. Got like, 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 bang. Like, like, okay. like, like, no, seriously, guys, like how many of you have called a parts department? Oh. Hi, parts, please hold. <clears throat> like that, that's your first impression. They're literally your first impression of a company that is, you know, supposed to be selling hundreds of thousands of dollars of parts and accessories every single month, right? You call service, you're on hold for three and a half minutes until you can get to an advisor. Then the advisor puts you on hold. And then eventually maybe a you know, an appointment coordinator will pick it up, you know, and try to stumble our way through a CRM system so that they can actually book you an appointment, right? You walk like, I, I, and then you talk about the sales team. How, how many of you guys have walked into a dealership, just kind of stood there in the dealership for a second. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's like whack-a-mole where you watch all the sales people kind of pop their heads over, over the, uh, the partitions. Oh, huh? What? Huh? Like <laughs> somebody here, what the hell's going on? But no, I seriously, if there was, if there was one thing, there was one thing that I could focus on that's consistently kind of just, you know, like maybe some departments hit it well, some departments don't, but I'll tell you right now, there, I have yet met a dealership that executed it perfectly on every single department level. It's just bam, that first impression. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I got to talk to you next week. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for being here, man. Um, this is fun, I'm dude. a big fan, of course. I can't wait until we can sit actually in a bar together and have a beer. No <laughs> question, man. Thanks. Back to you, Justin. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, I want to go to another founding member of the think tank, Jason. Jason Garris. <laughs> Jason's brought more people to the think tank than any of us combined. Uh, and I'm, I'm just fine. I'm just finding my most embarrassing photo of Jason real quick. Hold on. I'm just going to see. There's, there's, there's this photo when we were on the Las Vegas strip and there were some very interesting women having lots of fun with Jason and, uh, no, I'm oh, yeah. just kidding. I won't find it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if I pull it up, I want to see it. I love it. You remember this one. Remember his, the uh, his, his, bot, his bottom was a little red after that event. Yeah, the um, photo <laughs> Yeah. I loved it. What do you got, Jason? Uh, no, anyway, two. Uh, two. <laughs> I actually enjoyed my time in Vegas uh, with Jason. And, uh, so, um, actually, my, my question to you is that, I know you said you were in sales. You made a lot of money in selling cars when you first started. Yes. So when you when you were selling cars, did you sell a lot of cars, or what? What did you? Were you? Were you saying my my best my best year was five hundred and twelve units. Um, and I averaged you know right around I was about a thirty about about thirty cars a month. 
you know, give or take, and then you go into Q4, sometimes you'd be a little up, sometimes you'd be a little down, but yeah, I average right around 30 cars. And, you know, I was one of those young people in the business that like, I made drug dealer money. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I know that sounds horrible, right? Like that should, can anybody make that into a single post tag? Get it into the car business, you'll make drug dealer money. Um, but, but like I did, like it was just, it, 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 was, it was nuts. You know, I mean, granted, I lived at the dealership. I worked there seven days a week. I didn't have anything else to do. But yeah, I made a stupid amount of money and I spent it on stupid stuff. <laughs> like, I wish, you know what, I, 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 I always kind of, I've actually kind of thought about this and I, and I wonder if, it, if anybody's looking for kind of a, a, uh, a business plan or something that would think is there are just a lot of sales professionals in the automotive space that have accumulated a decent amount of wealth and not necessarily educated exactly what to do that. And I always wish there was someone there to kind of walk me through it because boy, did I burn through that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. I thought so I was just wondering how many units that was uh, were sold when you were selling, you know. But but marketing is a whole different, um, you know. Obviously, marketing is where it's at. You know, if you if you become an ad agency, that's what you really want to become as a salesperson. I think that's uh, ultimately that's what you want to convert to. You know, obviously, you want to get your next sale. So, but yeah, but, 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 oh. you know what? You know what, Jason? What's kind of interesting is I actually my income actually peaked as a salesperson. Yep. Every position I took beyond that was actually less. So mm-hmm. I actually had gone from sales into internet operations, which then just kind of got sucked into BDC and I became the director of just anything and everything to do with internet. And I made less money there, probably worked more hours than I did before. Then I had left there to actually spend time in the service department. I mean, the least amount, I mean, I'm, I remember at one point in time making, you know, 180 to $197,000 a year as a salesperson. And then I went to go be a service advisor for 42 grand a year. Yep. Um, you know, but, but, but I, but I did that all with the intention that I knew someday I wanted to own a dealership and I needed that operational experience because I didn't have the education to complete it. So I was either going to get it from experience or education. For me, it was going to be experience. I think it's a good, the good point that you got there. You mark your, if you're going to market yourself um, in a dealer, anybody that's in a marketing company, if they've worked in each part, department of the dealership, each department of the dealership, then they know what they're talking about with marketing. But I, I have a feeling if you don't know, if you haven't been in all phases of the dealer and you're in a marketing company, um, how do you market it something you never sold? So then how do you, how can you actually, you know, so you have the, a lot of experience in it. So, you know, I got to hand, you know, hand it to you on that, you know, so it is, it is nice seeing you on here and, um, uh, 100% you're, you're tied us down. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I did have a good time in Vegas. I'm not going to lie. But what happens in Vegas goes on social media. So I'm That's good. right. I, I didn't post anything. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Yeah. I'll just delete those photos real quick. Yeah, no, no, don't delete it. <laughs> Keep it because I want to remember it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Thank so, you. Uh, Thanks, Jake. So selfishly, I'm going to get to what a couple of other uh, uh, Think Ad Group people, and uh, and then we'll start some hand raising. Josh, what you got, Josh, the newbie? Let me get unmuted there. Oh, what's up, guys? Um, so what's up, Josh? I, Jason, how are you doing? I, I appreciate you being on. You know, I know uh, somehow Derek and uh, Justin convinced you to come back. I'm, I'm not sure how they did that. If they, you know, what, they just asked. That was it. They're like, you want to do it? I'm like, absolutely. Actually, uh, Derek did uh, promise me a hoodie. A hoodie. Uh, so that 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 did come <laughs> to the deal. After you brought up the drug dealer money, I was like, dang, how much did they pay him to come back? <laughs> <laughs> 
we appreciate it. Uh, so, so my question, um, it actually happened today. I, I had a, it's more of a marketing question and, and probably more related to your, uh, BDC type experience. Um, he's, he's in a heavily Spanish populated area. And the question he asked is, you know, what's a tip or, or what should I be doing in terms of like my mail or my marketing to, you know, reach out to these people that are Spanish speaking, you know, is there, mm -hmm. is there an approach to that? And honestly, when he asked me, I kind of was like, huh, that's a good question. And, and you started talking about your BDC experience and I don't, maybe you've never been in that situation. So maybe it's not something you can even answer. You but. know, we, we actually, we, we do run campaigns and we actually, we, we've run campaigns in almost eight different languages. Being up here in Toronto, like we have like a hot pot. I mean, we've, we've created campaigns in French, um, Mandarin, Portuguese, Italian, Punjabi, um, and, and the list kind of goes on. So, so there's a, there's a real hot, like just hot pot of different ethnic backgrounds up here in Toronto. So yeah, we've actually been forced to actually walk down that path. And what we found has been most successful is we've run digital ads that are language specific and we've had great success with those. We've run email campaigns that have been language specific and have been super, super successful. And then also um, mail. Now in the mail, um, we use kind of a, what's called a Perl. They're a personal URL in the mail, which connects to a QR code. So we actually know if people actually engage with, so you, you kind of scan the QR code or you go to the URL to kind of download the coupon. Then we kind of know your engagement ratio, your engagement. And then we're able to engage back with you in the language of the campaign that we know that we sent out. Now with the digital ads, um, all of those digital ads, every time we run a digital ad, it has always gone to a specific landing page that has a tracking phone number or a phone number that's, that's designed to actually then go directly to a salesperson or a manager that speaks that language. So that when they answer the phone, they're not like, hey, hi, welcome to ABC Motors. No, they go straight into you know, uh, introducing themselves in the language that the campaign was originally designed for. Perfect. Yeah, that helps, just, but that was kind of the strategy we've done. Yeah, no, I, you know, he just asked and he's like, can you identify who those, you know, people are in terms of the Spanish speakers versus English? You know, do we need to change up the direct mail to have Spanish on the front, English on the back, vice versa? Like I was like, you know, you know, it is hard in a CRM system because I've yet to find a dealership that does a really good job of actually tracking the, you know, language preference in a CRM, even though there are a fair amount of CRM systems out there that actually do have that as a field. I just know a lot of dealerships don't take the time to necessarily fill that field out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it, it's a tough one when you're going direct, because if you don't have that data, it's super hard unless you're doing postal drops because you know that the language is so prominent in that specific postal code drop, right? Right, right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I appreciate it. I know it was kind of a, a deeper <laughs> question. <laughs> but it's fun though. Look, anytime you can run a campaign that gets super deep or very specific or very niche, you know, uh, into, a very, into an audience, look, the results are always going to be higher. It, it, it's... Today, look, it's 2020. We, we, we don't ever take a shotgun approach with anything, right? We laser target on a very specific audience. There's always a clean way to targeting them. It just takes, you just got to take the time to figure it out. You know what? And that's why I always find the key is that you always start with, the, you start with the audience first, and then you work backwards to the creative and the formats that are going to help you meet that audience. 
I, a lot of time as an agency, we're creative first, audience second. But I'm telling you, the most success you'll ever have is audience first, and then work backwards in the creative and the ad formats that will that will help that you are confident to know that will actually reach that audience. Yeah, I love that. My dad uh, was an English major, and I heard like that exact thing since I could walk. So it's, it's just kind of funny that you said that because he literally said that same thing growing well, up. That's how authors write books, right? It's like the, 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 the first picture of the audience that's going to consume that content. And then they don't create the content for themselves. They create it for the content for the people that are going to consume it. Exactly. Exactly. That's strong. The first part of the question was boring, Josh. Second part, I liked a lot. Well, hey, thanks. I'm here to please you, Justin. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to go to uh, Steve. Laranigo, what are you drinking, Steve? What are you drinking, Steve? Brother, right now, I'm just chilling out, <laughs> watching everybody drink right now. Give us some iced tea or something. What's that? Give us some iced tea. Yeah, I'll see if I can get some iced tea right now. I had a pretty long day. I can use an iced tea. But, uh, Hey, excited to be back on a think tank, Justin. Thanks for giving me a couple of minutes. Hello, everybody, all the guys, Michael, everybody. Back, man. We love you being here. Good to see his voice. Good to see his smile. Good to see his tie. It's exciting. Uh, it's exciting today. But I'm just going to be quite honest. Uh, when you guys put it out there for Think Ad Group, talking about Jason Harris and all the and everything that he started talking about or what he did, I want to know what happened. I want to get Come into it. Tell him, Jason. I want to know who he smacked in the face and how he did it. Oh, and, uh, I hit a couple of people in the face. Bold and, and speak your mind. Let's hear it. it. So, uh, you know, real quick before that, uh, where, where's my boy, jo uh, Josh? Uh, let's get together tomorrow, bro, and I can give you some insight on some of that, on that uh, marketing on Spanish. You know, I Thanks, agree with everything. I know you're the king of freaking direct mail and everything, dude, and, and marketing. I, I want you to get, get with him, please. Yeah, 100%. I can help you out with that. But uh, definitely want to hear what, what Jason did and who he did and how, he, how it happened. I know something about a used car guy, but I purposely did. I asked Derek today, and then and then I said, no, Derek, I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from Jason. I kind of waited for like the whole week. So lay it on me, bro. Lay it on me. All right. I'll lay it on you guys. Look, you know what? Uh, okay. So first, we'll, we'll put some context out there with the amount of content that I put out. You guys, have, if, if you guys follow me at all, you know that I put out a stupid amount of content. Okay. Um, and, and, and to be able to put out that kind of content, I truly have to trust my team. So I, I legitly do not watch any of the content that goes out there. Uh, for a couple of reasons. A, I hate watching myself and I hate listening to myself. Uh, B, that we would never put out as much content as we do if I actually sit there and edited through this stuff. I mean, I'll walk into our, our, team's, our team's room and if they're editing content, they're literally, they're, they're a bunch of dicks. They will literally turn off their monitors because they know if I see something, I'll be like, oh no, cut this way. No, you need to add the last 45 seconds of that and so on and so forth. But regardless though, I have no beef with what got cut and I got no beef with what got put out there. And you know, I, look, I, like, I think a fair amount of people out there saw the post, read the headline and decided to just comment. And I think there was other people that saw the post, consumed the entire post and the comments and decided that this was actually a conversation. And look, at the end of the day, I am a firm believer that a single used car manager just cannot handle the operational responsibilities of, that have been put onto the used car department over the last 10 years. 
the, 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 the sheer stress and what's expected for a used car department to perform is just it, just, it can't be a one person job. That doesn't necessarily mean that we have to go hire four or five new people. It's just the used car department has to no longer be a department. You gotta think, we structure our dealerships in silos. And I've always, always had an issue with the way we structured silos, guys. I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in I got the used car manager over here, the new car manager over there, the service manager over here, the parts manager over here. Look, service manager wants to punch out the used car manager because he's a dick when it comes to reconditioning. All right. The, the parts manager wants to kick the new car manager's nuts because all he does is bitch about how much he doesn't actually upsell the accessories. And when he does, there's no profit in it for them. Like it's just, we, we've literally built our dealership into these silos and we pin them against them. As an industry, it's a horrible, horrible thing to do. When I look at the used car department, the used car department is the one department that touches every single part of the business. So kind of to maintain the used car department in that silo doesn't necessarily make sense. So it's like, you know, the service manager needs to be responsible for reconditioning of the cars. Used car manager has, shouldn't have anything to do with that at all, right? The, 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 the new car manager, I actually hate the fact that we actually have new car sales and used car sales. I, you want to talk about straight up inefficiencies. That's the fastest way to create inefficiencies within your dealership is that you literally pin two departments, all right, against each other. And, you know, they don't necessarily want to work with each other because used car gross always ex is always bigger than new car gross. And the two of them just are always kind of head to head with each other. So the statement behind what I said is that in its traditional format right now, a single individual running an entire used car department, it's just a useless position. It is just, it is not efficient in the way that we've currently built the model. And, you know, I love the fact that, and of course I also made a, I made a point of noting out old school, you know, used car managers. If anybody's been in the business for longer than 10 years, you know what a real used car, what an old school used car manager is, right? Never left their desk. And then when they did, it was to go outside the back and smoke a pack of cigarettes one after one, after one, after another, after another, after another, right? And, you know, they never actually took the time to actually want to work it. As long as they were buying the cars, right? Selling the cars, right? their job was actually maintained. So look, that's not what a used car manager looks like today. And I know it, a lot of people think that, used, that that old school used car manager doesn't, doesn't exist anymore. Guys, I've been in hundreds of dealerships. I will tell you right now that old school used car manager still exists in a lot of dealerships. We're alive and well. A hundred percent they're alive and well, you know, and, and maybe ne not necessarily in big auto groups because, you know, structurally from an operations perspective, they've really kind of filtered it down uh, or maybe not in, maybe not in as many as franchises, but there's a lot of what I call uh, non-franchise dealers out there that do struggle still with that, with that individual. So look, the entire post was designed to like, let's have a conversation. What, what, is, what, is, what does a used car department look like in 2020? Because we know what a new car department looks like in 2020. I mean, think about the communications requirements that have changed just in the last six months. As, as an industry, when it comes to new cars and used cars, as, as far as sales goes, we've actually changed the ways we've communicated or opened up the opportunity to communicate in ways that we've never had. As an industry, we've changed more in the last four months than we have in the last 40 years combined. And it's pretty crazy. And it took a pandemic to force us to do so, right? So I kind of, my, my goal is to like, look, the, this pandemic, it's a horrible thing, so I don't want to discount it, right? Um, but this pandemic has kind of started this snowball of change in our operations when it comes to the way we communicate with customers and the way we handle customers and the way we facilitate the sell and the way we've also had the sales process. 
I don't want to see that snowball stop. I want to see that snowball continue into every single department. I'll breathe now. Hey, Jason. If I may say something, I can understand, uh, you know, your point of view, but I think a lot of it on the used car, used car side of it, and you said you've been to thousands of dealerships, is the accountability from the used car manager or from the desk manager or used car manager to the salesman on what their responsibility is to walk the trade and do a, a world renowned trade evaluation and, and devalue the trade with respect. And I think that is huge in this time because a lot of us who are in the industry, you know, if I didn't walk the trade with a customer, they would turn the deal on me. So little steps like that, that I think we need to kind of look back the fundamentals of who we are today to bring back today and then load our, cus our, our salesmen's lips on how to walk a trade and then hold them accountable on walking a trade is what really is what we're missing just oh, in, the used sure. car, in the used car business. You know, so I can see totally that that's, that's, that's a great point. I mean, when you think of the sales transaction, I kind of split it into two ways. And I still think even in the sales side, I didn't put this post out there, boy, I would have got burned on this one too. Um, that, you know, I, I think from a sales perspective, we, we didn't hit this right. Right. Like there, there's two parts of the sell, right? There, there's the actual transaction portion of it. And then there is the product knowledge portion of it. And, you know, it takes a solid product knowledge person to kind of really walk through what a trade is worth and to educate the individual, right? You got to think that product knowledge portion is all about education. Look, the fact in our industry that we're willing to be okay, that our customer knows more about our product than we do, that's insane. That, that's, just, that's just stupid. There's not another vertical out there, all right, that would accept that answer. But for some reason in our industry, we do. So if it was me, I, do, I would actually split the salesperson into two roles, transaction and product knowledge. And some dealerships have and done incredibly successful where they have product knowledge people that you deal with when it comes to product and the, in your trading and everything else. Then they have transactional managers that will just work, that will just, just work the transaction portion of it. So I don't know exactly what the right model is, but I do think that we do need to embrace and at least start having conversations around what the next model is going to be. Cool. That was cool. Thanks for your time, brother. We appreciate oh, you. I appreciate Jake, you. Man. Thanks for joining, Jake. See you next time. <laughs> yeah. um, I do, um, because I happen to live with her and she's putting the babies to bed, she has a question for you, Jason. So we're going to go to Evelyn's question, but I'm going to ask it. Um, and it's a good one, actually. Have you ever made a post or comment on social that you really regretted? A hundred percent. That's Evelyn's question, everyone. So I got, I, I got, a, I got a rule uh, to never delete a comment or a post. And my team struggles with that. They actually hate that. In fact, when that used car post went out, immediately I got multiple text messages. We got to take this thing down. It wasn't cut right. It didn't edit right. We should have included the first two minutes of your conversation before we went into that, into the last 45 seconds where you said the used car manager was a useless position. Like, you know what? You got to own the mistake, right? So like if I, I say something, I post something, it just didn't quite make sense or it was out of context because they're just, you know, if I just added the last 45 seconds of the conversation, it would have sounded better, would have been more complete as far as the actual thought pattern was. I've yet to delete one. I just simply own it. I actually think it does more for your brand. And I think it is actually from a dealership's perspective too, right? Like, you know, when you think of like dealership reviews, 
You know, you own the good and the bad and the way that you own them and the way that you handle them and the way that you respond to them actually shows more light on your brand than if you were just to ignore the entire problem. Hmm. Well, what's funny about that is Evelyn. So I did a video a couple of weeks ago and I used the F word and Ooh. Evelyn <laughs> wouldn't let me post it. And I've learned over the years that Evelyn is usually right. Evelyn's so, usually right. But, but, but do you normally say the word fuck? Like, is that, is that normal language then for you? Yes, except constantly. Constantly, <laughs> except in front of my kids. I won't say it in front of my kids, sure. but I say it a lot. Um, so I was like, wait a second, Evelyn, I'm, I'm being me. That's me, you know? It's context. Yes. Yeah. And, I want to be me, you know, Gary V says it every other word, you know, why, what, if it's okay for him, why can't I say it once in a blue moon? So she talked me out of it and I, I refilmed the video, but, uh, didn't quite have the same impact. What's that? Didn't quite have the same impact for you. Uh, I mean, she said it was okay, but I think it was better the first time, you know, look, I think everything comes down to context, you know, like, look, look guys, come on. We're in the automotive industry. The entire industry is built on three-letter acronyms and four-letter words. I don't care. I, I, you may hate that or you may hate it or not, or did, but it just is what it is. I mean, I, I learned some of the most elegant string of curse words in a sales manager's office that I have ever learned in any other place on the entire planet, right? So, like, That's I, where I got it from, you know? <laughs> of course. From, I, was, I'm, I'm, I have a terrible mouth. But, but to your point, Justin, look, I think there are some people that will kind of go that direction when it comes to curse words, because they're looking to go, did he just say that? Like, look, it's context. It's, it's what it is, man. If it's just, it's you being you, screw it, put it out there. You know, you'll, you'll learn from your mistakes. And the funny thing is like, if you don't put it out there, then you never receive the data. If it actually worked or not. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. All right. I can't wait to see your next post, Justin. Oh yeah, he's totally dropping the f bomb oh, in the next post. I guarantee you. So the first one. <laughs> now, you actually you want to you want to know something funny? Is we've actually tested this, so I'll give you a little insight. We've actually tested this. When I've actually we've tested so I put so much content, but we've tested where I've actually said the entire word or I beat the actual word. Yeah. You want to know something crazy? Yeah. When I beep the word, the engagement's higher than if I actually say the word. Wow. Crazy. Now, that may not necessarily be true for you, but I just know for me, you'll start to see a lot of my new videos coming out will be a lot of beep, 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 beep. And it's, 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 it's not because we want to do it. It's just we've tested it and we've seen that people engage higher with it. And it seems like the beep seems to hold a stronger kind of oomph than the actual word itself. So. Yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to go to our dear friend, um, another, another guy who's just keeps supporting us. I, he doesn't have his face on, so I'm scared. Michael Offmuth, are you there? Uh-oh, you faker. Oh, there he is. Can you, can you hear me? Yes, we can, Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, buddy, sorry, I'm driving. I've got to turn the screen off. That's all right. Do <laughs> you got anything for Jason? I do. I got a question for you. What, strategy, what is strategy mob? What is like, what is that all about? 
I, I tried to message you uh, a little while back, and I'm just curious. Like, oh, you do. What, I, what I appreciate you asking about that. You know what? Um, okay, so here's here's how Strategy Bob kind of came up. Is uh, Strategy with Jason is 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 my brand, and it continues to grow, and it's getting bigger, kind of the you know week after week after week after week. Now we knew at some point in time that we were going to want to monetize Strategy with Jason. And I really fought with that. Like, I'm serious, guys. Like, I had some serious issues with wanting to monetize any of my content. I just, that's not my thing. I'm, I've never wanted to go that direction. Um, but so it actually, Strategy Mob came out of kind of like the middle ground with my team because they want to actually monetize Strategy with Jason. And I didn't. So they're like, okay, cool. You don't want to do that. Then let's create you another platform, which we'll never have to monetize. <laughs> and that is where strategy mob came into place. So I said, well, okay, we're going to go, we're going to do this. We're going to do this really right. You know, like it, it's, it's not enough that I'm just going to be the only person making content. I think there's some amazing individuals in our industry, uh, thought leaders that just have some phenomenal voices, but maybe there's those voices just aren't being heard. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with just the cost of production and the time and the editing and everything else. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I want to eliminate that excuse. I, I think there's some just amazing people out there that got amazing thoughts, amazing, amazing strategies that, that other people in our industry need to hear. So Strategy Mob was kind of like my way of thanking the automotive industry for everything that it's done and everything that it's blessed me with. You know, like, you know, strategy mob, like I'll, I'll tell you right now, like we, we don't monetize it. There's just, there's nothing there to make money out of, but it does it, like strategy mob costs me $250,000 a year. That's what strategy wow. mob, that's what, that's how much. And it's like, we've put that money, we've allocated that money, we've allocated the labor that goes into that. And it is just straight up with the intent of just seeing the betterment of the entire industry. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. How do you, how do you come wow. up with the people that are a part of it? We're figuring it out as we go. Like, I, look, I honestly, you know, the same thing that we learned with strategy with Jason was, is like the, the first step is just do. <laughs> so, you know, first step, we're just going to do it. We're just going to put the content out there, right? Like second step is, is really kind of to create the routine in the actual doing. So first step, just do. Second step, I got to make a routine out of consistently doing it. And then the third step is when we start to really kind of figure out like, how do we identify mobsters? How does the how does the mobster kind of it kind of evolve? So everybody comes into Strategy Mob as a captain. Like we actually we we thought we'd have a little fun with this. I'm gonna put the money into it. Must have some fun with this thing, right? And so we actually structured it as a mob would structure it. So everybody comes in as a captain, but you actually have the ability in Strategy Mob to move from captain to underboss, and underboss will actually give you your own podcast, completely edited, completely produced by Strategy Mob Studios. Um, which is what we're now calling the team that works on strategy, strategy mob. Um, their own social efforts will actually get started here pretty soon as well. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, it was just like, it's, it's the first doing it's then getting into the routine. And then thirdly, it's just kind of figuring out the actual strategy uh, and the optimization of the execution so that we get better results. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. No, really thanks cool. for asking, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Drive safe. All right. So uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I do. I want to talk to this Charles Higgins cat because 
he's my, I love this kid. And he, he's, he's been in the business forever. He was, uh, he, he did a video yesterday, really good video. I can tell Charles, you're not huge on making content. And it was just really nice. Gave a lot of shout outs to some people in this group. Charles, what you got for Jason and how are you today? I'm good, man. Um, you know, okay. had a, uh, what's going on, Jason? Um, love your content, by the way. Um, you, so it's kind of funny. Um, I went to tell you a little bit about me. Um, I started back in 98. Um, I remember getting internet leads off a dot matrix printer and using a Rolodex. <laughs> um, so I have to ask you because you're OG, did you actually call them an internet lead back then? Because we didn't oh. call them internet leads back then. We just called them inquiries. They were manufacturer opportunities. <laughs> ah, see, like I'm actually super curious. I've yet to actually nail down where in the world during the, our time frame where we changed the name of these opportunities into leads because they're not, but anyways, yeah, I, no, I, I agree with you. And I started with Toyota and they were, you know, really pushing towards the internet world and CRMs. Um, but I remember first day on the job, uh, here's your Rolodex. Um, you know, there's this big wall of Rolodexes and uh, yep. these two drawers, these are someone else's that left. And uh, <laughs> yeah, there's the dot matrix printer. And uh, if you snatch the piece of paper off of it, it's your opportunity. Good luck. And uh, watching VH VHS tapes on training. Uh, that, that's how it started. Yes. Um, but yeah, so went from that. Dude, me and you had the same training program. Like, <laughs> I, I remember showing up for the first two weeks, thought I was getting conned. I'm like, this is, like, this is weird. Like, yeah, sitting in <laughs> the guy comes in for about 15 minutes. He's like, now we're going to play a video. Yep. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> in an an empty room. About yeah. <laughs> empty room. You're the only one in there sitting right in front of the TV yeah. watching this horrible video on training uh, sounds like we worked at the same dealership right yeah um <laughs> the structuring so it, video. anybody see the structuring video on structuring a car deal that was the first video i saw oh yeah oh yeah. it was the best <laughs> maintain control all right yeah the customer's stupid they don't know what they want you need to control yeah sorry anyways oh no, you're good ahead. so went from that and um you know was always in the technology really big uh growing up and went headfirst into the internet world and marketing um and it's kind of funny uh you know justin made a good point i don't when it comes to videos it's not really my thing anything else digital marketing totally fine i'm great content creation you know ads I'll build it all day long. Um, videos of other people, hey, you know, whatever. I just, it's not me. I'm, I'm a old school, you know, mm -hmm. uh, good old boy system. That's what I grew up in is a good old boy system. But, uh, you know, did the internet management um, and was in management for 10 years and then just, you know, uh, got tired of getting paid less to babysit. So, um, <laughs> Went back into sales and uh, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, but uh, one thing I have, you know, I've done marketing campaigns and built, you know, large networks for dealerships. On a dealership level, it's really easy for me. 
I can look at a dealership, come up with a game plan and knock it out of the ballpark. I guess my question for you, Jason, is the one thing I have struggled with and, you know, I've been with Ford for over 10 years. Sure. Been to Michigan. You know, they've brought me up there to work with their digital team. They've come down to see me. And but I've always had a struggle with creating my own brand outside okay. of just my name, you know, um, and, and my whole thing is, you know, creating a different experience. Um, I pride myself in product knowledge. That is my biggest thing. The video I posted today was actually about product knowledge it had to do with the customer that I dealt with, um, that they're going to be happy for years because of my product knowledge. Sure. Uh, instead of the six months, they would have been regretting, uh, their decision. You knocked, you knocked out a part because you spent the time to talk to them. And get to right. I, I listened and I came up with a, I solved their problem, not just the short-term problem, but the long-term problem. Sure. Um, and it, it unwound a sale. It unwound a sale, um, but they ended up buying two cars because of it. So I'll, I'll lose the one to get two. Uh, 100%. And they're customers for life now. But I, I guess, you know, how can someone, you know, really help identify, you know, what is their own brand? You know, well, I don't you know. I, I mean, like, home, I'm so. going to ask you real quick, Charles, just a couple of questions. Like, what do you, um, when you're not at the dealership, what do you enjoy doing? Uh, just my family and sailing. Sailing is my. Oh, sailing. Okay. Oh yeah. It's teamwork. That, that's, 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 uh, that's more than a hobby. In some cases it can be straight up lifestyle because man, it can really, you can really dive into it. How long have you been sailing for? Uh, since I was a teenager, I, I started competitively sailing when I was 12, 13 years oh, old. Wow. Wow. So look, look, I mean, honestly, your brand lives right there. The fact that you're a passionate father and the fact that you enjoy being on the water and, and sailing and just the, 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 the win against your back and hitting the sales, like that, that is your brand. And, and, and if you're creating content around that, I see, I'm going to want to connect with you. I, 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 look, I don't sail. In fact, actually, I'd be terrified to get on a boat. <laughs> like, like I just, that's like the boat better be pretty freaking big for me to get on it because I'm just <laughs> like, I just, I just don't like being on a boat. Right. But, but, but what I can do is I can learn about that passion. I can be a part of, I can be a part of that passion. All right. Through you making content about that. Right. And then just like, there are so many lessons that are learned both into your point. Cause you just said earlier, right. Team, like you cannot sell without having a hardcore team. Right. Right. So you can easily tie that content right back to your professional brand on LinkedIn. And it's just like, look at the importance, the, the lessons that I've learned through the years of being, you know, sailing as a teenager, all right, has taught me so much about the importance of developing and relying on your team and the person right next to you. Because otherwise, if you don't rely on the person right next to you, like a lot of bad things can happen really, really fast, right? That mm -hmm. kind of content, Charles, like I, I want to consume it. I want to consume it. I want to learn from it, right? And then like, I'll, I'll tell you right now, being a father of three, Dude, I'm always looking for someone to learn from because I, there ain't no way in hell I got the right answers. <laughs> you should have you saw what was happening 10, and a half, 10 minutes before this podcast. All right. My two boys thought it was an episode of WWE and they never even seen the WWE episode. Like, like, I walk in there, one literally clotheslines the other. I'm like, where the hell did you learn that from? 
<laughs> so it's like, how do you handle that? Look, I'm gonna tell you right now, if you can handle right two toddlers and just walk through the process of, of, of trying to understand their emotions and try to calm them down, you, you can be a manager. And there's so many lessons in, in that, right? So your brand is, is what you're passionate about. It's not necessarily what you do. So I learn, I, I, I get value from following with following you along that content because of your passion. So I'm learning from you. The fact is matters along the way. I know that you work right at a Ford dealership. Like that's cool. So when I'm in the market for a truck, right? Like who, who has benefited me the most? I've learned from Charles as far as fatherhood. I've learned how to create a team around his experience in, in, in sailing. Like, okay, I'm going to go buy a truck from Charles. Yeah. And, and I guess I've, I've kind of, you know, I've tended to kind of pigeonhole myself because I, I look at, you know, when I look, think of marketing myself, I still, look at as a dealership and what you do, what you do for a living, dude. Right. Not, I don't want to, I don't want to connect to you. If you, is anybody in this room actually want to connect with a car salesman? <laughs> like, think about that for a second. Like, would you actually want to connect with a car salesman? Like not a chance in hell. All right. But I would love to connect with a passionate father that really has learned a lot from team development and building from their time, you know, sailing and their passion. Like I'd want to connect with that person. So sometimes, sometimes, it's not always the case, but sometimes, all right, your, your brand is not defined by what you do for a living. Your brand, and your, your brand is defined by what you're passionate about. Nice. Appreciate that. Charles, no thanks. Hope that helps. Appreciate you being on. I hope you, uh, hope you join again. Um, let's move on. I want to get to Russ, man. Russ is everywhere. Russ, yes, he is. Asleep. Where's Russ at? The pressure, the pressure is just mounted for me being called on unexpectedly. I know. I was watching you dozing off. I was like, I better call on Ross or he's going he's gonna to dip out. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you know, when people are, you know, they texted me. My, then my boss texts me, and, you know, I have to stop everything I'm doing. And yeah, doing, you know. I know. I know. <laughs> right, Derek? You know how that works, Justin? Yeah, look at my boss right now. He's texting me right now. He is, I'm sure. That's how it rolls. <laughs> But uh, um, yeah, Jason, I, I absolutely appreciate what you do in the, in the candid that you do it with, frankly. Um, uh, I love the orange tie. I love the marketing. I love all the parts. But I think the part that I like the most is that you really care about the people that you help. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really what separates you from any other content or trainer or, or any of those kinds of things that you've done. You've walked the walk and talked the talk, right? But at the end of the day, you care about Charles. Yes. You care about, right? That's what separates you. And I appreciate that very much. Thanks for us. Um, I really appreciate that. And then, so really where my question comes from is how did you, um, and, I'm, and I don't know if other people, and this is not really a question for me, but curiosity wise, how do you monetize a brand? What are the steps to monetizing Jason Harris and a brand? Well, you know what? I think the first thing first is value. Right. Like that's the kind of the first like simple, simple format when it comes to monetization is just value. Right. You know, like, like literally my goal is to provide you so much value, Russ, that you feel bad doing business with me, not doing business with me. 
right? And I actually I've, have run into customers where they're like, man, I use your content in like every single Saturday morning meeting that, you know, we have, like, it helps my team, my team follows you, like, you know, man, you just, you've brought me so much. I don't even know what the hell you do, but can I buy two of them? <laughs> like, you know, like, and I'm serious, Russ, that's crazy. I've literally had that conversation. Like, I don't know what you do, but can I, can I be a part of it? Is it, is it crazy expensive? I'm like, oh man, like, this is what we, okay, sign me up. Like, you know, um, so, so that's the first thing. Monetizing is just literally, you're providing so much value to the person where when you do come and ask, right, the ask is just, it is so warmly welcomed because now they view it as an opportunity to give back to you because you've given so much. So, you know, I hate to say it and it sounds insanely tacky. All right. But it is so much a field, a field of dreams kind of a scenario here. It is a build it in and they will come. Like I, I knew, I knew I was going to put out two years worth of content with never actually ever having an opportunity to monetize it. Now, look, you love hearing the stories out there where people put out, you know, one week's worth of video and now they're like the hottest thing on TikTok. They're being invited to the, you know, to the, the night show, the date, you know, the night, the, the, the late night show and all this other stuff. Like, look, Hey, people win the lottery. Sure. It happens. <laughs> right. But that's not necessarily the mindset. You got to go into it. You have to understand, like when you go into the mindset of you wanted to monetize your efforts, it, it is a mindset of a marathon, not a race. Okay. And I feel, I feel like that's where everyone kind of really kind of fucks it all up is that, is that they're like, Oh man, I'm going to monetize. I'm going to monetize my brand. I'm going to monetize my brand. And they think it's a race. Like they're sprinting. They got to sprint to the end so they can like make some money out of it. I'm like, no man, this for me, this is a marathon. Like I, I, I'm literally doing what I'm doing just so I can continue to maintain the pace that I'm running at for the next 30 years. Like I, I haven't even gotten close to the idea of how I'm going to monetize. My goal right now is I'm just going to like, I want to spend the first 10 years of my content, just bringing you value. Dude, in year 15, if I ask you to do something, you're going to be like, Jay, I don't even know what the hell it is, but I'll, I'll, I'll take two. <laughs> Right, right. And, and I appreciate that. So it certainly boils down to that same basic concept of, of serving to others first. Yes, 100%. Uh, and, then, and, then they will, and then they will come. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, that's but, awesome. but the key is to be, be able to stay in that mindset is that you can never expect anything from them. Right. And so, let, so let's go back to, to Charles and, 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 and what, he's gone, what he's going through in that, in that divide between, oh, personal, oh, work, oh, personal, oh, work, right? So I have a Facebook page that's personal. Oh, I have a, a Facebook page. Sure. You know what I mean? So how do people, can you give us some advice on how people can kind of separate those two if they want to separate the two? Oh, separate them all. Separate them all. Guys, there's nothing wrong that you having six different social media handles, all right? If your passion is sailing, paintballing, ATV, golfing, and Italian food, then, then, then make five entirely different social media accounts that all are relevant to that because people are going to want to connect to you at that level. They're, look, there's, I know we, we have this idea and you know what, I actually been wondering this a lot. And we actually had a conversation the other day or a few weeks actually ago, I had this conversation with someone over dinner and it comes to this mentality of a business card, right? Like we are so used to handing someone a business card and that business card defines who we are as an individual and our brand, right? But in reality, those business cards need to say father, ATV lover, avid golfer, 
you know, insane, insanely passionate about sailing, you know, like that's like, there's not one business card guys. You can have six different business cards and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Great. Great. And so I'll, I'll finish with my time to thank my wife. She just came back from Costco Ooh. with all oh boy, an entire jar. And I've been sitting here munching on them and I'm absolutely grateful for my wife. That's, that's my kryptonite by the way. Like oh, is if, it? if anybody ever wants to send me something and like, just kind of like, like it sticks out there. You send me a, a pack of, of peanut M&Ms and whatever you want. I'm, I'm probably going to give you. Yeah. Hey, Jason, yeah. Jason, dude, peanut M&Ms are my favorite. I always freeze them. I don't know if you, if oh, you're a I, all the time. It drives my, it drives my wife nuts. Because oh, she'll dude, buy it. She'll, she'll, she's like, yeah. where's the M&Ms? I'm, they're in the freezer. She's like, they don't belong in the freezer. I'm like, you just simply don't understand. Freezer, yeah. Freeze them. Number one, nobody will find them unless they know unless they, they, they know what's up. But, dude, they are amazing frozen. And when you throw them over some popcorn frozen, Oof. dude. That's all I got to say about peanut m Talking my language, Dad. Good job on the peanut m right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Thanks, Russ. Appreciate it, man. Uh, let's go to uh, – we got a lot of people to get to, so let's try to get a move on here. Uh, it's getting a little late. Let's get to Alex. Alex. Alex, where's Alex at? Look up to Alex a lot. Jason, do you know Alex? I'm looking for Alex right now. I don't see it on here. Right here, he's got some Buddy Holly glasses on, American flag shirt. Hey, hey what is going on, Alex? How you doing, man? Oh, he's, you're, Alex, you're muted. I can't hear you. Oh, unmute. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Here you go. Recently sent you a picture of some cool shoes. Yes, you did, dude. Those, uh, they were, what were they? Cole Hans. Cole, Cole Hans, right? Yeah. Dude, I, I'm totally getting them. They're the, you know what? It's always funny because like, it's hard to find classy looking orange shoes and you totally nailed it. Uh, so much so that when I received those, I started to Google them <laughs> and I wanted to see if they come in like a wide size because I've bought in those brand before and they're like super skinny shoes. So I'm hoping I can find it. <laughs> like, but dude, thank you. I really appreciate that. No worries. No worries. Yeah, listen, I love all the stuff you put out there, especially some of the video clips. Some of those are my classics, which I've, I've let you know. <laughs> good stuff. Um, They're fun, right? Yeah. It just takes you back. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, going back to the first question that kind of came out, which was about the used car departments and sure. uh, managers. I think the overall picture is that um, to really make something happen in the used cars or pre-owned, however you want to call it, in the dealership, there has to be an overall picture in the store that that's the overall goal. As you yeah. mentioned, these silos, um, really tough to work with. You know, if you're going to try to move a car in 30 days and it takes you 20 days to get the car even started in the service department, yeah, you're fighting every single person that you're in. It's a really tough move. You're moving it through the silos. Like you're literally moving it through the silos. And it it's just, it's honestly, it's insane to even be able, like, if you got a, if you want like a 30 day turn, which is aggressive, right? If you want a 30 day turn, man, like it, like it is in no way or form a one person job. It's just, I like, I just, I've, I've, I've seen people turn 30 or a little over 30. I've seen people turn 45 and slightly under. And I'll tell you right now, I've never seen anybody do that with one person. Yeah, it is a team effort. We're talking about you know going to a two-week supply right now in these tough times when the market's changing so quick. So everybody's got to be on board to make that happen, especially from the dealer down. Um, otherwise, you're just fighting up. You know, it's not going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. I think the old school, uh, you know, uh, used car manager, as you said, that's working from the Rolodex. I mean, that guy's now got to be looking at what is a VDP. 
and how many are happening on a daily basis and and understanding why they're getting all those views and no one's buying the fucking car exactly exactly <laughs> and then even if the marketing's happening you know from the right things where is all that marketing going to and is there somebody that can handle that and where is it going to go like you said is it going to go to the you know to to a, an operator that's going to now try to hunt to try to find a salesperson all those things are, you know, a problem that are happening in the day-to-day -day dealerships. How do you cure it? I don't know. One bite at a time. Yeah. It's like, what's that old saying? Like, how do you eat an elephant? Exactly. You know, it, it's just literally, dude, just, just, just one bite at a time. But it, it's a mindset though, right? Like you can't eat the elephant unless you're, unless you literally are prepared to do so. So I find that a lot of dealerships aren't even necessarily at the mindset that they're willing to bite into the elephant. They'd rather just ignore the elephant altogether. I would agree. I think the things that you're finding is that you only get pieces of it. You know, they want the 30 day yeah. turn, but they're not willing to, you know, work on the service department or they're not going to touch that manager because, you know, we don't want to upset them, whatever it may be. But if everybody's not on board to make that happen, it's just, it's a losing battle. So, so, I mean, that's the first thing, right? Like they have to understand that when it comes to the used car department, we have to literally demolish all these walls that these silos create. And they have to understand that this is an entirely team effort. When that vehicle hits the lot or even before it hits the lot, all right, these four or five people all take action simultaneously. Right. Like it is not a one person job. <laughs> like, you know, the used car manager's got to do his thing. Parts manager's got to do his thing. You know, the marketing manager's got to do their thing. Like, like all this has to happen like that, you know? As you mentioned, I think the most important part about this is I believe the used car department is the key to the majority of everything it touches in the dealership. hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. It's just, it's like an octopus. I mean, it, yep. it handles every single thing. I mean, the service manager should be embracing this because it's his best customer, the parts department and so forth and so on, and to make new car deals. And we could just go on and on about it. But yep. the end of the day is, is gotta be that mentality put into place without it. It's very tough to do. It, it is, but, but it, yeah, you have to actually have to have the goal and objective behind it. Look, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I, like, I call this. I, I call this. I have a. I have a name for this. I call it full belly syndrome. Okay, uh, Thanksgiving us for here in Canada is literally this this coming weekend. Okay, for you guys, it's a little. It'll be about a month away. Okay, um, but you know, let me think about this. There are so many dealers out there that just literally ate Thanksgiving dinner, and they are so satisfied. With 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 what with what they what what they have, they're not willing to actually ask themselves what they could have have. Like, dude, literally, we're an entire industry built around results. All we ever talk about is how well we did. We don't necessarily ever talk about how well we could have done. Agreed. It, it's an entirely different mindset, but we have to get into that mindset before we can even make any freaking changes. Cool. Good stuff. Thanks, Jason. No, thank you, Alex. I really appreciate your comments, by the way, dude. And I, I appreciate the tip on the shoes. Don't be surprised if you see a video in the next couple of months where I'm That's supporting it. those bad boys. I didn't boys. get a post on that. Yeah, 100%. Dude, I'm, I'm tagging you. All, all, all credit goes to you. <laughs> all right, let's go to uh, our friend, um, Joe Brailler. Joe, how are you? Where's Joe at? Joe, Joe, Joe. Okay, there you go. Hey, hey Joe, what's going on, everybody? Man? Hey, hey Jason, real. Hey Michelle, hey everybody. Jason, love your content, love your energy, Thanks, love man. that you speak your mind. Even though sometimes you get yourself in trouble, you're true to yourself, which makes you, well, 
true to yourself. I mean, you're not a flip flopper. I love that. You know, um, the one thing that I, the, the question I have to you being a former dealer, sure. um, being the, a former dealer, what is your top three most effective ways that a vendor can get through to you to get his product or service that he knows is better than sliced bread, but you just don't know it yet because you've gotten bombarded with 30 million other people every day, every hour, and you just don't have time. Yep. 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 I like that. I got this fly flying around in my room right now that I, I, I want to go like totally karate kid on right now. I don't know if that's going to happen, but anyways, let me, let me answer the question. Um, <laughs> um, look, first thing first, for the love of God, do not tell me what you know about the industry. All right. Like I, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in that seat where a vendor rolled in and literally told me that they, they, they had the, 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 the diet pill, the silver bullet, the answer to all of my prayers. All right. And I had no idea what the hell I was doing as a dealer principal. This vendor knew everything. So first thing first, you need to be fucking humble. So that, that, that I, I can't, and, and I know that sounds crazy, but I can't tell you how many vendors I've sent from. I actually physically removed a vendor out of my office one time. Like literally had to physically remove them because they were just one so passionate about telling me that I didn't know what I was doing when I ran my business. So that's the first thing first, right? So the first thing first, you got to be humble. Second thing, you got to bring me value. Like you, you, you want 15 minutes of my time, my time where my time is worth something. It, it is, it, it is not easy to come by. I got, I got, 15 people outside of my office right now that need my time. And you're asking for 15 minutes of the time. Now I'm not saying I'm not gonna give you 15 minutes of time, but God damn, you better bring some serious value proposition for me to wanna to say to do this. I actually had a vendor one time, I actually made them pay me $100 for 15 minutes. And, and it was just because, it was just to prove a point. You know, it kind of sucked. I gave him 15 minutes. We never ended up actually doing the business with him. But he was just like, just tell me. Just tell me what it's going to take to give me 15 minutes of your business. He got to the point where he was like on his knees begging, begging, give me 15 minutes of your time. Fine. Cost you $100. I didn't think I'd hear anything back from him. He showed up one day with a $100 bill. Fine. I gave him the 15 minutes, right? But it's like, but that's the kicker, man. Like, I got to have that value. And what is value? What's, what is one of the most valuable things to me as, as an owner operator? It is time. If you can figure out a way to give me time back, then you can get 15 minutes, right? Like, like, like let's, let's, uh, let's say something crazy, right? Like, like, let's say like, I'm literally going, I'm, I'm willing to, to pick you up from your home and drive you to work so I can take that 15 minutes in between that time. All right. To get you to work. I'm going to pick you up. I don't know. Does that sound crazy? That might be crazy. Right. Or let, how can I give you time back? Right. Like how, what's the exchange. Right. And then I would say, I would say the third one would be never, ever, 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 ever use the comment that if I only do one more deal, I'll cover the expense of it. <laughs> do you know how many vendors try to close me with that? just 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 one more car man you have to sell one more car a month and i'm like if if you know the amount of vendors i had to deal with the stew i call it all right and if i sold one more car for every vendor i had oh shit i'd be making a fortune <laughs> so those yeah. that's probably be my top three if you had to pick three things that's what i'm saying so bring me value 
right? Or, or sorry, first thing, come with a piece of humble pie. Second thing, bring me value. You have to find something that, that some form of value, right? And, and you might have to deep dive into this individual to understand what they hold to be valuable, right? I remember I had one client that I was going after, right? I found out on their link, on their social media that they were an avid golfer, okay? And I just happened to have another client, all right, that uh, was a member of a pretty, let's call it elite, all right, golfing place. Something that you, it was either you got invited to or you didn't go to it, right? So I was like, you know what? Let me see if this works. Reached out to him, say, hey, me and a friend of mine are, you know, are going to be doing this. I don't play golf, but I drive the cart and drink. Would you like to come by and do this with us? And instantaneously, they jumped in. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I've always wanted to golf that, that place. Okay, cool. Let's do it. All right. I bought myself almost two and a half hours with that person. <laughs> so humble pie, value, and please, for the love of God, don't tell me that it only takes one deal to get to uh, cover the expense. That's good. Right. Gotcha. Thank you. Awesome. Can I comment something on that? Do you mind if I comment something? On Absolutely. That? Please, Jason. Uh, Jason, uh, so I, I, you know, like, again, so I, I agree with what you're saying about the one more deal and because over the years of trying to sell apps and this and that and going to dealers and, and, you know, and over and over giving presentations and having other people do it. And so I learned a lot, you know, obviously you have to go through the trial and, you know, it's, it was definitely difficult, but when I tell you what really worked, one of the things I wanted to enter Joe, Joe, I actually, uh, you know, find out something that's actually pretty cool is value target somebody other, other than the owner or the manager of the dealer target. You can always, what I'm going to tell go you up. Find somebody, find a, somebody that works in that dealer that's valuable to the owner and see if you can get his time. And if you can pitch it to him, let him walk it up to the owner or the manager so you can get your time in there. Oh, 100%. Jason, Jason, you nailed that one around the head. Look, for that one vendor, it cost them $100 to get me 15 minutes of the time because they kept begging me. Now, if they just focused on my sales manager, which I put a lot of emphasis on what his thoughts and opinions were, all right, it could have cost them a dozen donuts to get 15 minutes of their time, right? So no, I'm Jay, I'm totally with you, man. Like you can absolutely influence upwards versus yep. trying to influence down. And even if it's even if it's just a salesman, believe it or not, a top salesman of a dealer is, is friends with the owner. Trust me, they're, they're, they're really good friends with the owner. And, good point, and good the point, Jay. by the way, that's the most influential guy in that dealer, is that top salesman in that dealer, if you want to know the truth. So uh, good point, Jay, good point. Yep. All right, uh, uh, Steve, you're getting a good yeah. twice. Yeah, I just want to say something real quick for Joe, right on top of what Jason was talking about, Joe. One thing about, I always did, if I was able to get past them on the phone and they agreed to an appointment, the first thing I would do is thank them for the opportunity because obviously they're very busy. But I would put them, I would put them in the position of what they expect their salesman to do when they're selling a demo. So what I'll do is I will turn it around and I would role play with them. And I'd say, you know, Mr. Mr. General Manager, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm not here to waste your time, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you on a world-renowned product presentation demonstration. And right now you're the customer so that you have a clear understanding of what your customer is going to go through um, and see on, and what, what they're going to go through on their, on your showroom floor. I see it, sir, because I'm passionate about what I believe in and what I bring to your team, but it's nothing if you don't believe in it. So let me show you why we're different and why we're effective. And then I turn around my computer. I get right next to him and I say, here I go, brother. 
and wham, you're, listen, you're, 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 it's like you're at Six Flags Magic Mountain right now, and he's getting the opportunity to see what we're doing, and then he sees a passion because anyone, who, any GM or owner or principal who doesn't appreciate a salesman and a demo, you know, what do you expect your salesman to do? You want them to go out there and give them a world renowned product presentation, go on a demo, come to the desk so that we can make some money, right? Well, let me give you a great demonstration so you have a clear understanding of why I'm the most effective company in the United States, 100% bar none. And then guess what? They're like, all right, I want to hear it. Let's see, you're that good? And then boom, I just dive in and the next thing we're growing, we're high-fiving each other. You know, and I had one guy say, okay, bro, you're getting a little crazy. You left our lobby, right? I get I guess. You just yeah. got permission to sell, Steven. Yeah. That's really where you did. Love it. Yeah, and, 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 to add, and to add to Steven's thing is that if you ask for seven and a half minutes, then you take seven and a half minutes. You never take a second over. All right. If you ask for 15 minutes, you take 15 minutes and there's never a second over. All right. It just, it says a lot as an individual and it shows an obscene amount of respect that you stick to literally what you have to say. Right, like I can't tell you how many people asked for seven minutes and really meant forty-five. Like it's just you know what I mean. I got a, I got a point there. So I have a point there. A lot of times I will ask for fifteen minutes, okay, but the GM, the dealer principal, they get interested real early on. Oh no! If they want to go farther, they can go farther. They That's go fine. so much further. But, 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 yet, but you have to stop at that fifteen-minute mark and say, "Gentlemen, our time is I up." Do that. I say, "Hey, you, do you want to continue to go?" Minutes, you want to keep going, and they usually do. But that That's happens totally so many times. Like I say, "Hey, I need fifteen minutes," but then they're like, well, "Wait a second, tell me about this." <laughs> of course, it happens. Yes, <laughs> it happens all the time. So, um, but that's good. I'm, I'm, I try to watch the time, and I say, "Hey." You, know, you said 15 minutes we're we're at 20 because of your dumb ass so. <laughs> and i'll bring up something funny justin i i don't mean to repeat this i know i said this on a, a previous think tank but maybe not the same people but one time a guy committed to justin and said you got 10 seconds 10 seconds Oof. to pitch i can do it in 60 but 10 is tough 10 seconds okay so if somebody told me they had 10 seconds i got an elevator pitch but it's longer than 10 seconds, right? I'm, I'm bowing out. That's true. Justin just dives in and went through and told him all of his stuff. In 10 seconds. It's his biggest customer he's got right now. That guy That's awesome. is his biggest client that he's got. And he said, seriously, give me 10 seconds. So as vendors out there, and I know a lot of my buddies, Steve Laranaga, you could pull that off easily. You know, a lot of guys on here, Jason Garrish, you might be able to pull that off easy, a 10-second pitch. But I'm telling you right now, dude, when he told me, tomorrow I got to meet with this guy for 10 seconds, I did not know how to motivate him. I backed off. <laughs> That's dude. crazy. Like, it's whoa, tough. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I backed down, dude. But um, well, you know what I said? I said, six months ago, I was doing exactly what you're doing right now. That's what I said. There you go. That's good. Hey guys, I'm so sorry. Excuse me for just one second. I have a little one sitting right at the door. I'm just gonna go tuck him back in. I'll be right back. Hey, hey, hey Joe, on, on what on what Jason said, Joe, uh, talking to other individuals. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. But one out 100%. I agree with it. But it's very important that we talk to the right individual, or don't show them too much because when they do and they're not interested or they're just not the guy or we're pitching the porter and we don't know, you know, and some guys, cause there's, there's guys out there who to try to come in and they're going to try to figure out what's going on because they got a bro that might think they did the same thing. 
So it's very, it's very important to not, you know, give the pearls a swine following me, you know, because sometimes they just don't understand. And then they get into the, they get into the ear of the general manager and they don't really know what we're talking about. So a lot of times I'll tell my guys, Hey, you know what, if you can't get a hold of a sales manager or GSM or GM, you're really kind of just, uh, you're practicing because those people, when they find out what you're doing, a lot of them just kind of rain on your parade. You know, people ran over parade. When we're successful, when we drive up and we, when we walk, I walked into the store today, and as soon as I come in, they, I got in, what's up, Jake? What's up, bro? Energy just jumped, right? Hey, what's up, bro? Start high-fiving everybody. And, I, and those people I didn't know, and they're like, who's this guy? And I'm like, I'm not the guy that sells cars out front and make money. You ever heard about me yet? It's just different, you know? And then they, we leave, and then they say they're those shh, shh, shh behind our back because, you know, we might be at a dealership for two hours a day or or six hours in a week or whatever. And they're upon the pavement. So sometimes you gotta be careful with who you're talking because sometimes they'll they'll try to block you or protect you from, from being successful. So that's just a little insight on my end. Awesome. Sorry about that guys. Apologize. No that's a good point. That's a good point, Steve. Totally good point. Good point. You, know, you almost gotta make it their idea. Really. It's and, funny, and, Derek, it's, because it's, you know, we're dealing I, with egos. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are. And and when I was a I remember when I was a GSM and um, so feed the ego doing deal with the general manager. I, if I wanted, if I had an idea, I had to make it seem like it was his idea to make it go into fruition. Right. So I would go in and say, of course, Hey, 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 Ender, remember, remember when we talked about driving more traffic to the dealership? He's all, yeah, yeah. And remember how you said that direct mail was like an important thing. And he never would have said any of these things. Right. He's all, yeah, I remember that. And, and you said that it was really important that we, we, we drive the people back with a certain message so that we could convert more people, right? Yeah, man, I, I totally agree. And there's this company that I want to sit with and talk about and, and maybe we could put something together. He's like, yeah, set the meeting up. I'm available next Tuesday at three o'clock, let's go. And I would always make everything his idea because if I went to him and said, hey, I got an idea. He went like this, come back to me later. Come back to me later. I don't have time right now. Right on the okay. money. So I had to adapt and tell them and put them together. You know what I mean? I'm a salesman. So I knew that, dude, I already know. You didn't know you were a psychologist, did you? Yeah. And and like, I'm the type of guy that says, look, I don't care who gets the credit. As long as the results are what I expect. I don't care who gets it. Take it. I don't care. You know what I mean? So anyways. Just pay me. Who cares? Yeah, pay me. Pay up. (laughs) Pay up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway I, I had one i had one of those meetings this morning <laughs> yeah you know what like I'm it just about. like oh yeah i can do that i'm working with the director of marketing for a large automotive group <laughs> like you don't even know what the fuck you're doing i just simply make you look good so just yeah. continue to sit yeah. there and smile and my team will do the rest of the work um but no like you just have to like it's just you look, do. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm like, look, look, I, I think people that are in the space that we're in, we're not here. We're not, we're not glory hunters. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I, I've never, I, I don't give a crap what my position is. As long as you pay me, call me the janitor. I don't like a crap. As long as I make the money, it'll make a damn difference to me. Yeah. Well, let's, um, okay. Let's get to, um, first of all, listen, you know, this is probably the biggest car episode we've ever had and for those of you that aren't in the car industry please raise your hand um i know so (laughs) listen 
I appreciate you guys, you girls being on and uh, you've hung in here. So let's give them a, 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 a chance to ask you a question, Jason, because sure. they, uh, they're not in the automotive industry or really marketing much. Um, uh, some of them, some of them, but anyway, um, let's have them ask you a question that, that, and I appreciate you girls hanging in there guys. So let's go to, uh, Ida, Ida, what you got? Ida owns a coffee business, Jason. So. Ooh, I like that. Good night, everybody. I'm falling asleep. I, I'm not in all this car shit. But you know what? My husband was for Ford Motor Company. Oh, uh, okay. so he's a strategist for Ford, and I I can't relate because I hear him talking about cards and strategy and marketing all the time. So I it's, this is not a foreign subject for me. Good, good, uh, good. And I hang out with you guys because I like you and I love you guys, and I also get nibbles on you know I have a small business, but my vision is to grow it mm. and get bigger. So as you guys were talking about. You know, our things, you were also talking about marketing strategies, so. Let me plug you quick, Ida. Jason, if you yes. need a gift, a different gift, sent to a customer, a client, somebody you really, you know, you've, you've sent edible arrangements, you've sent whatever <laughs> you've sent, Ida does the nicest, the nicest coffee arrangements. Geared oh, that's cool. Coffee. And she customizes them to what you're looking for. The next time you want to send a gift, Jason, look up Ida because she does an excellent job. Great gift baskets. So there That's you go. Awesome. I'll, I'll oh, her. Ida, I'll, I'll definitely be reaching out to you. It's actually one of my favorite techniques is when a, a client has gone cold and they, they, they won't reach out to me is I, I will send them a bouquet of flowers or a, or a basket and say, I, I hope it wasn't me, it was you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, my business is like a flower shop, but made out of coffee. So anyway. Oh, that, that's, that's great. I actually, you know, we actually, I, we work with a local roaster up here in Windsor, Ontario. And that is actually where we make uh, closers coffee. So uh, we have in the last two and a half years have sold a little over uh, 1900 bags. Wow. of closers coffee um and it is a, some amazing coffee they, these guys are the same roasters that work for mother's coffee and a bunch of other brands too so they do some really cool stuff and then all the proceeds have been donated to the sick kids hospital up here so we've had a lot of fun uh with coffee and developing out kind of that brand and and sending it out to people but uh, we don't have anybody in the u.s that has been able to support our that's episode. what i was gonna say yeah, yeah i was gonna I say that the the connection the there. I'm here, but i do have a question because yes. it's funny when you were talking about uh social media and you know the personal side and the business side and how people can relate to what you do or mm -hmm. what you're passionate about as you were talking about that, I was actually creating a holiday card that I wanted to thank, uh, send around Thanksgiving for my customers that have supported my business in this last two years, just saying I'm sure. thankful for you. Not necessarily a Christmas card, but just a thank you card. And I was putting a picture of me and my kids. We have this matching shirt that it's all about coffee. And I was actually debating whether I should include the picture of the family, which is just me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a small business. I market it as a family business. Well, have you put content out about being a family business? I mean, have you, has there been social posts in the past with you and the kids? 
Yes, absolutely. But it's my business because my husband has his own gig. So I'm just kind of like, I was just, and I wanted to bring that to, at what point do you separate, you know, like your personal uh, life to your business in terms of marketing? Or do uh, you, I it, mean, it, if you it, convert it's for, yourself- It's for, it's for every right? individual. Like there's, there's no wrong or right answer here in any way or form. Um, I have no personal social presence. Okay. It's just, um, you know, um, I think the last time I posted a picture of my kids socially was probably about, you know, four years ago. And I've, I've yet to post one, you know, since then. And it's just, but, but, that, but that's, there's, and then there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong at all with being the fact that you guys are a family run business and the family's part, a part of it, right? Like I would love to receive, you know, if it's something that you've consistently posted, you know, that this is your family run business and so on and forth like that. And I hope to get a, a recipe for a coffee liqueur, you know, drink that I'm going to thoroughly enjoy during the Thanksgiving or maybe a coffee infused uh, stuffing because I'm a stuffing fanatic and I'm always looking for a good stuffing uh, recipe, but that's a great way for people to kind of connect with you and connect with the family. I'm sure you probably have some coffee recipe of some kind for the holidays, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you. I wasn't, I guess, I know there's no right or wrong answer and it all depends on how you market yourself, but because I'm such a family person, I believe that that's what I'm passionate about. So kind of what I've been projecting outside and the guys on the calls that have been following me on social media have seen um, that. So it was just interesting to hear your perspective on those stuff. So thank you. Thank you, 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 know what I find, you know, what I find the easiest way to help people develop out their brands are the people that are heavily tattooed. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm serious though, right? Because their brands are usually sitting right on their body. And uh, it's just, it's just like, you know, it's like, they'll ask me a question. I'm like, I'm like, well, what should I, you know, create content around? I'm like, well, well, what the hell is that on your arm? Tell me the story behind that. And it's usually pretty simple and straightforward. They go right into it without skipping a beat. And they tell me the story behind how they got that tat, you know, and it's like, you know, like I, I have a pretty gnarly back piece and, you know, there's a whole story that goes along with that. Right. Um, but, but, but I think when you put out content, like what you're doing, Ida, is that put it out there, make it a personal because your brand is personal, but also make sure that what you send out brings some value throw a recipe in there for your favorite coffee drink or coffee, you know, like, I, I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving for me is just a reason to incredibly binge out on as much alcohol as possible. So I, I don't, I, maybe that's not every family's, you know, thing, but I mean, we get thoroughly toasty. Um, so I would love to, I, if, if I, if someone sent me a little, a little postcard saying, you know, happy Thanksgiving, you know, thinking of you. And in that was a little recipe for, a, you know, a hot toddy of some kind or something along that lines, man, I'd be all for it. Oh, I'm going to send a recipe of eggnog made with the Oh, coffee. there you go. Now you're speaking my language. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. No, thank you. All right, uh, Michelle, let's go to Michelle Maltese, another girl not in the car business, supports us every week. She's got her sweatshirt on. What is up, hey, Michelle? How are you, Jason? Hi, everybody. I'm doing well. Good. I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there, too. Michelle is another great example, also like Mr. Larkin over there, that understands that social media is not just about media. It is truly about socializing and engaging. Michelle, mm -hmm. you do a phenomenal job of Whoa, engaging Jason, online. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing so many things right now, Jason, for myself, for other people. And, you know, I've built several apps and I, I really want to focus on one of them, but 
I still need to support myself. And, and so, you know, I fall back on my graphic design stuff once in a while. And um, so I do want to say if anybody needs any graphic graphics work, I could use some income. Um, but uh, also, uh, you know, a few people have asked me to, I launched this app called Higher Road. Mm -hmm. And it's for people who need to pivot right now pretty much that they can go on there, create a profile in like under five minutes, they're done. And when they find a job located on the map anywhere in the US, they can apply to it without these algorithms and stuff. Sure. So um, I've been thinking about wanting to find somebody that could host a podcast or a sure. meeting where I could reach out to all these HR people and have them come in there and talk to them and me ask them questions. Because the one thing I am for sure is I am not afraid of telling people I don't know something. So, you know, I say, you know, I'm not a salesperson, I'm creative. Sure. So I need salespeople. I built this app not knowing anything about HR, not knowing anything about anything other than what I would want to use if I was hiring somebody or what I would want to use if I, want, if I was looking for a job. Mm -hmm. And the end result is truly unique. So um, just recently, I had LinkedIn reach out to me and they said, you know, we'd like to talk to you a little bit about what you're doing. And then I've had ZipRecruiter and Indeed, they're all looking at my profile, but nobody, nobody's friending me. So I guess I wanted to reach out to you to say, how would you go about finding somebody and asking them to have you on their podcast. Oh, how do you ask people to be on your podcast? Yeah. Like, well, you're feeding into people's egos. Like, I mean, there are an obscene amount of people out there that love talking about themselves. Um, I can't tell you right now how many amazing clients that I've generated that I never intentionally wanted to generate, but, you know, had them on the podcast where we talked about a topic and then one thing led to another. And they're like, that was really good. Jason, why don't you tell me about what you do? Because I have no idea. You know, and it just kind of, it led into that conversation, right? You know, right. look, look, uh, I, I think there's an opportunity to place your position where, you know, there are a lot of, there, look, bottom line is, guys, going into this Q4, there are going to be a lot of people out there looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. All right. There's already a lot of talent in the pool right now swimming around as it is, you know? So, you know, I, I definitely think that there's an opportunity out there just to reach out to these people and just, just say, Hey, I am just trying to help others figure out what is the best way to find them and position themselves a job. Would you come on with me and just share some advice? I'm building an audience. Here's the audience I have, so on and so forth. And you'd be amazed how many people do that and understand that you're going to ask 50 times and get one and get one response. Yes. So it is absolutely an, an odds game. Just don't stop asking. Just keep asking. So just curious, do you have any, um, any ideas or um, advice for converting people from hearing the story mm -hmm. to actually using it? Because I have this awesome app with like six jobs on it in the whole US. So how do I say to people? How do you hey, share the podcast? I'll tell you right now, when I was early on with Strategy with Jason, getting the word out there, and I understand that we have almost 20,000 listeners a month that listen to um, the podcast that we put out there. But I'll tell you right now, the first year was me literally DM everybody and saying, I just dropped a podcast. I'd love for you to listen to it and get your thoughts and opinions. Right. Like, like that's what it was. Now, cool thing, LinkedIn makes it super easy for you, Michelle. 
you know, because right now all you have to do is look for that stupid little green logo um, in every single profile saying, I'm looking for a new opportunity. And you hit up every single person that you see with that green logo. And, and you just say, Hey, I just dropped this podcast about, you know, how to, you know, how to get hired and what HR departments are looking for. I'd love for you to listen and, and get your thoughts and opinions on it. That's a great idea. I really appreciate that. It, sometimes, man, sometimes it's just old school. It's knocking on doors and just kicking. But the cool thing now it's digital. <laughs> Instead of like, I mean, I remember when I first, you know, it was like you kicked, you kicked on doors. I could probably visit maybe seven dealerships to 10 dealerships in a day tops. Right. All right. Yeah. But now I can go on LinkedIn and I can target a hundred or 200 a day in one single setting. Right. It's great advice. Thank you very much. Appreciate no it. No, thanks. Good seeing yeah. you and keep keeping, yeah. keep keeping social, keep engaging. You do a great job. Thank you so much. Uh, let's go to our, we are running out of time. We got to get to Lou. We got to get to Rob. Hey, Lou's here. What hey, is, what is going on? Let's go to Lou quick. Lou, what's up? What's going on, everybody? Are you sleeping? Are you in bed? Are you just sitting um, and listening to us? <laughs> I've been, we've been watching a movie, me and my wife, and um, it just, just ended and I'm in the dark. Just getting was, ready. Was it, was it a good movie? What were you watching, Lou? Uh, we were watching Mulan. And Mulan. Mulan. Yeah, I'm so glad that you admitted that with without skipping a beat. You're like, I yeah, I'm watching a Disney. Disney movie. has the new Mulan. What's up? <laughs> Hold on, let me get to where there's a little like. Damn. All right. Sleepy, Lou. You're probably tired. I am a little bit tired. It is time to go. I mean, I was in and out sleeping on it. When I sit sit still for too long, it's it. It's. I'm with you. Fun. I took a nap before I jumped on this podcast. <laughs> no, I did get to listen to some of the good stuff you guys got going on. Jason, it's awesome uh, to see you back inside of the Think Tank. Welcome back, brother. Thanks. Um, you're always uh, delivering some great value. Just about everybody that asked anything is getting some some good stuff, good stuff to take notes on. I mean, you're a freaking genius, man. Uh, I go that far. Thank you. <laughs> you got a lot of great info and... Uh, Again, you're 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 a key person for everybody to pull from because of how well you have branded yourself, and uh, that that everybody's trying to pick up on. Um, I I really am just trying to pick up more more understanding of uh of really just LinkedIn and mm-hmm. kind of keeping with the flow inside of that. I'm not I don't really have a targeted question. There's a lot of stuff that we're working on. Uh, but uh, well, let's help with this. Let's talk about expanding your audience, right? Because look at the end of the day for your brand, man, it's all about growth, right? Like I, I can't tell you right now, like I, I, my team is constantly arguing over what LinkedIn's algorithm is doing. Like seriously, I mean, like, you know what? Like I started posting video two and a half, almost three years ago, literally within two days of LinkedIn launching their video platform, which guys, I know it sounds crazy, but it's only been about two and a half or three years since LinkedIn actually had videos even as an option, right? And literally the day they launched, we posted three videos and pretty much every day since then we've posted, you know, well now we're up to like 18 posts a day, but you know, um, we have tried so much crap that hasn't worked and so much crap that has worked. It is getting increasingly difficult to, to figure it out, but I'll throw a couple at you that might help you out a little bit. We're finding right now that, you know, there are 1300 characters in a LinkedIn post. All right. Consistently, 
when we max out or damn near max out the 1300 potential characters on a LinkedIn post, regardless if we're attaching an image or a video to it, all right, it is engaging 27% higher or it's, view, it's being viewed 27% higher than another post. So look, I don't know if LinkedIn will admit that or not, but all right, LinkedIn currently right now, I'll tell you straight up is, is uh, rewarding people for a lot more text within their posts. And you'll check mine out. Sometimes I do short stuff. Sometimes I do sh uh, long ad copy. Sometimes I do medium sized ad copy, but we have found consistently that if we, we almost max out the 1300 characters on LinkedIn, our views are actually consistently higher. So maybe that helps you out, get you a little more traction there, right? Um, paid LinkedIn. Anybody doing any paid LinkedIn marketing right now? Paul, you are? Okay, cool. Um, we do about $5,000 a month in paid LinkedIn uh, marketing. And uh, we're learning a shitload from it. And we've made a crap load of mistakes along the way, right? Uh, but there's definitely an opportunity for people that are looking to grow their brand. There is a form and there is an ad format that is a, a follow and connect, which is a single click. So a, a single follow button ad. All right. Um, if you, you don't want to pay by the, by the follow, but if you actually set up the ad format, the, or the connect with us, yes, the connect with us uh, ad format and uh, set your bid strategy to impressions. You can actually, right now we're averaging out about $4 per new contact, like per new follow right now on LinkedIn. So if you're not doing paid, there's an opportunity to put some dollars behind your efforts. Jason, I'm just going off of what you just said. Um, Justin, you asked a couple of um, weeks ago, um, when you're posting just a single, um, picture, yep. yeah, it's, it's converting into or engaging for a lot more people or sure. it's getting well, out. It's the getting views. more views. It's getting more views. Yeah. It's not necessarily increasing engagement. Right. It's getting more views. And by the way, if you are doing a single post, it has to be a square format. Really? Do, not, do not put a 16 by nine format, single image Ooh. post in LinkedIn. It will not perform as well. You will literally see double, you will what see double the, the views. What are you talking about? Speak English to me. Okay, so <laughs> you, Talk to me like I'm a just, kindergarten. Just, just, just take one more bourbon, buddy. One more. We'll do this. All right. Uh, so, all right. Uh, a, a 16 by nine, what your phone will take. All right. A widescreen format. All right. Uh, LinkedIn will not reward you for that. In fact, actually, they don't want to see that. Okay. They want to see a bare bones minimum, a square or a vertical single image post. Vertical and square po uh, image, single image post will perform easily 50 times, 50% 50 better than a standard 16 by nine image. Hmm. I'm still amazed to see how many 16 by nine images are still flowing around out there. Wow. Is there a format for video that works better than one or another? Square. Yep. And now, right now, if you really want to jump on it, vertical with their stories. Like we we're up 22% right now, week over week, just because since stories launched. Okay. Like just, just total, total view time. Like in, we're up 22% just because of the vertical view. So we're still trying to figure that one out. LinkedIn, um, uh, LinkedIn still testing and figuring out their story concept. So, you know, there's a place to play there, you know, but, keep it professional, keep it engaging, 
you know, and uh, the call to actions are not hardcore yet with LinkedIn stories and LinkedIn stories are only limited to your first contacts, not your second or third yet. Okay. So once, once LinkedIn opens up second contact, second, like second level contacts on stories, you better be ready for that. So right now, like LinkedIn stories is a practice, just keep practicing, get good at it. All right, because right now it's only targeting your first contacts. Once it starts contacting, contact like connecting to the second contacts, boom, big opportunity. Yeah, that's gonna be huge. So I've noticed that like the the um, the engagement on that is very, it's not as broad. We're not used to seeing it. Like yeah. no one's used to no seeing it. Like. It. Yeah. Unless you're an Instagram freak, unless you're an Instagram, unless freak. you're an Instagram freak, you know, and you're like, Oh, what's that button up there? You know, but otherwise not, it's just like, guys, guys it's only been a week and a half. Stories of people on LinkedIn are like, eh. it's a week and a half of stories. Like we, we've only tested, like we've only touched it. Right. And the other thing too, if you notice, it's not on a desktop, it's only on a mobile device. That's it. That's it. So, you know, like if you go to your, you go open up LinkedIn on your mobile device at the top, you'll see the little, little, little round dots of all the people you can go in there. You can start watching everyone's stories. Okay. But they're only testing. They're only testing guys. It's, it's first level context and it's only on mobile devices. The second they open up to second level context and desktop, everything changes. Oh, that'll be huge. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Yep. And it's kind of a question, kind of a selfish question. Shoot. Boxers or briefs? <laughs> so how do you think think ad group what do you think of think ad groups brand well, i love what you guys are doing i mean you guys really kind of followed you know the blueprint you know i mean that we kind of set forward was very very kind of similar right um you know the, the slightly different we just started with strategy mob you guys started to think tank right out of the gate you know yeah. we went with the personal brand attached to the agency and then kind of grew from there you know so um you know, I, I still think in general, you just kind of have to like, see, I, I didn't go heavy with DDS. I went heavy with my personal one. And then through people connecting with me personally, they're like, well, what do you do? And then I introduced DDS. Like if you look at digital dealership solutions, which is my agency, like there's nobody there. It was just, it was never a brand that we actually intended to actually grow. We intended to grow the strategy with Jason brand. I think no different than you guys. You guys are planning to grow the 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 think tank or thirsty Thursdays or think tank strategy or the, yes, think the think tank brand, and then just you know the think agency portion of it just kind of comes along with it. Yeah. Also, you got to understand brands can supersede their business super fast. So don't get romantic about the business. Right. That's why I focus on strategy with Jason. Look, strategy with Jason can support nine different companies. Right. Right now it supports three. Right. You know. You know, three, three, there are three companies that the, all of the, the funneling of leads and opportunities and conversations that come in through strategy with Jason gets funneled out to three different companies. We have DDS, which is the agency, Vitimus, which is our technology company, which is the website solution, which by the way, guys, at the end of this month, I'm dropping the mic on website solutions. I am literally launching the most inexpensive, all right, website solution for franchise dealerships ever. Um, let's see it. We could push that to a lot of dealers. Oh, dude, I'm going to disrupt. I'm going to piss a bunch Some of people off. Right. <laughs> and then the third business is our selector side, which is our dealer, you know, disinfection uh, product. So it's like it comes in through the brand and then gets funneled out to one of these three companies, but you build a solid brand. You, your brand can support whatever companies you decide to yeah. build along the way. That, that, that's kind of the, the way we look at it. And this wasn't my idea in the beginning of the, 
of the pandemic. I was all about building think ad group, think ad group, think, you know, advertising because things were a lot Dude, different. Well, we're small businesses. We, ago, we all think we're different, it. right? Build the business, build the business, build the business. Yeah. Nine months ago, you were building business. In March, Evelyn and Justin came up with a brilliant idea of, hey, let's give away things for free. Right. So we started doing, giving away things for free. My favorite model. We ended up developing a brand around giving away things for free because we quit pitching and we've, we've discovered that in promoting the brand, we don't pitch the core product of, Oh dude, it's, it's not a hard pitch, but it comes back get, to us yeah. tenfold. Oh, dude, you, you get straight, you get, you get straight to the actual meat and potatoes of the pitch. You don't have to do the whole like uh, foreplay or the fuck around portion of it. You know, like, ah, I care about you. Tell me about your family. Not really. I don't really give a shit. Let's just get into meat and potatoes of it. Like, it's just because they've already connected with the brand. All right. They're just like, just let's, let's just get to the middle portion. Yeah. Super fast. Yeah. Cause our, our goofy hoodies at that and, and t-shirts that we did. And I give credit to Evelyn for coming up with the idea to, Hey, we should brand ourselves and maybe we do shirts. I'm like, are you crazy? What would I give <laughs> We've given away about $7,000 with a year. Over the oh past. yeah. Six, seven months, about a grand a month is what we average. Best feeling ever. And everything, right? But I don't care because every time, and I, I believe that most of the people on the call right now have got think here. If you don't, we'll give you some. I mean, that's how good it is. We're, we'll send it to you. But if it, it's, it's, it's everywhere and it becomes that people say like, what is, what thing? Then they, they go on the website, they turn to a lead, or they come in the think tank what do you do? You know, cause we don't pitch on here. We've made that, Justin made that a point from the beginning is, and I thought it was brilliant is we're not going to pitch on the think tank. We're going to introduce new people as they come on and start Michelle Maltese fell victim of that early on when Justin shut her down one time, you know, and said, we don't pitch on the think tank. And she's one of the founders of the think tank with us. Right. She's a very important part of the think tank, but it's became that people just start coming to us and it's brilliant. Of course. It's, it's not, it's not nothing we designed. We fell no. into it. Well, no, it's, it's what it is. It's through value. Yeah. Like there, there, there's an exchange of value and time. You bring me value, I'll give you my time. Yeah. It's simple, right? Like that's literally how it works online. All right. You give me value through education or entertainment or a combination right. of both. I will give you time. All right. Like th th that's it. Now, the one thing you have to think about is like the think no, no different than why I call that strategy with Jason it can supersede just the one vertical. Right. So just be prepared for that. You yeah. know, like my goal, right? Like I'm, a, I'm an automotive guy. Like I like the grease underneath my fingernails and my knuckles all chopped up. Like I like that. I like working on cars. I like getting dirty. Like I just, that, that's my thing. So I'm going to start with that vertical. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I got like real estate as a vertical that I got my eyes on. Yeah. And can, and then can the brand strategy with Jason transition into real estate? Oh, hell yeah, I can. Absolutely. And it's the same thing for you that think yeah. tank can that brand transition over to that other vertical and other verticals and other verticals. And then just the businesses, the brand stays strong. Do you actually know why actually, you want to hear something funny, why I actually decided to go brand. I wanted to sell the business two years into it. I wanted to sell the agency. That's it. I wanted to sell the agency. I was getting tired. I was a little burnt out. I wanted to sell the agency. I had someone do a valuation on the agency. And they just valuated it based on the services and gave it like a one and a half time intervals. And that was it. That was it. That was it. I was like, that's crap. 
And then I, I, I was like, I, I got talking to the guy that did the valuation on it. And I said, well, what about this other company? Like their revenue stream's not much more than us. We did, we did 2 million in revenue last year. Why, why, why the hell are those guys worth, you know, 13 million and we're only worth, you know, three and a half. Like, I don't, I don't know if I can understand. Right. And then the guy explained something to me. Uh, just, it just poof, light bulb went off. He's like, they got brand. I said, excuse me. They have brand. All right. The business is selling at $13 million versus three and a half because that there, these, there is a value proposition in the actual brand equity in itself. I said, no kidding. So I actually found out real fast. You want to increase the value of your business, All right? Revenue is one way. Brand will actually exponentially increase your, the value of your business faster than the actual revenue stream was. Right. Not saying that's right or wrong. I actually kind of somewhat disagree with it. The bottom line, that's just the way things are. <laughs> Brilliant. I like that. Yeah. That's good so stuff. Jason, let, me, let me tell you, along with all this, today I got a, um, there's a guy that we've been talking to. He owns an agency, an mm -hmm. advertising agency, which we do business with advertising agencies. Um, sometimes they're our best customers. And um, he said, Hey, I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about doing business with you and he has no idea what we do none no because he bought he bought into the brand before he actually bought into what the company does exactly. that's when we knew that we we that's when i told justin i was all bro uh-huh he was right we made it <laughs> yeah what well, happens oh that's big time in it guy has no idea what we do but he wants to do business with us and i was like whoo that's great. I remember the exact same thing. I remember doing a presentation for a customer. I remember leaving the customer, leaving the presentation, telling my team that customer has no idea what the hell we do. And then a 30 minutes later, getting a text message, say, it's great. We're going to go with you. And I, and I just looked at my team and I said, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and, it was like, and it was obvious what happened. They connected with us through the brand. Right. They believe so much in the content and the brand and the direction and the belief, the beliefs around the brand that it didn't really matter what the hell we were pitching them. They wanted it. They're like, ah, we don't necessarily. And in fact, I remember the man, the owner actually telling me, I didn't necessarily understand what you guys do, but I'm pretty confident what you do, you do really well. I feel good about you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amy. Um, I talk to, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I had a question for you, um, Jason, real quick. Yes. Um, when you're evaluating a company, um, I always say that there's, there's four things that an investor or, or somebody would look at the value of a company. Mm -hmm. And when you go in and you say, hey, what's your value? What's your most important value? And they say, um, my people. I say, eh, because... If I'm going to buy your company, your people are loyal to you. They're not, you know, loyal to me. Hundred percent. Um, so, so what I'm looking at and what I tell um, prospects is, hey, your most important assets are your reputation, either off or online, your email list, your pixel list, and your social media list. That's it. You know, I mean, and I get pushback on, oh, no, no, our people have been with me 20 years. Well, they're getting ready to retire. Yep. You know, I mean, I'm an investor. I'm going to buy the value of your company. How much of that, our, our brand, goes into that equation? 
Uh, you know what? Actually, quite a bit. And when it comes to the dealership perspective, it actually does hinder it. So like when I bought my Mitsubishi dealership, Cambridge Mitsubishi, they had an atrocious reputation. Oh, yeah. And one of the reasons I got them for as cheap as I was, was the bottom line is that, and we made, we made the case was like, I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that was going to have to be spent to fix what this brand meant in that community. Mm. And, you know, so, so that's no, I mean, like I actually know of a Toyota dealership that just got sold underperforming an underperforming dealership, but the brand in the community is so solid. They got top dollar for it, even though the dealership's probably underperforming by about 40%. Wow. Wow. So they know the brand brand gets played so hard. What was that? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, What year did you own the Mitsubishi store? Let's see. That would have been, what is this? We're in 2020. So that would have been 2013, 2014. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be a partner in the Mitsubishi store. The, uh, in, uh, we had a Dodge store and we bought the old in, in, this had to be probably 98 through 2003 Modesto Mitsubishi in California was the number one dealership. Michael Corman, good friend of mine. You know Michael Corman? Yeah, I do know Michael Corman. That's that's yeah. a small world, man. <laughs> it's a small really. Man. I, I I was I grew up in Modesto. Oh wow! And, um, uh, Michael Corman obviously had the Modesto Mitsubishi. Him and Matt Wade ran that place and killed it, crushed it, number one in the world. Mm-hmm. Huge. So three four hundred Mitsubishi's. Nobody could figure it out. But one thing that they did was the most effective marketing on the planet. Like before El Patron, before El Patron was ever around, there was a guy named Owapo. And Wapo. I don't know. Oh my gosh, I actually guys. remember him. Do you remember Owapo? Yes, I do. What the yes. hell ever happened to that guy? Dude, so Owapo, the, second, dude. The, the second you just said the name, then I remembered it. Owapo's I'm originally, I'm originally he's one of the biggest real estate investors in Southern California now, owns more real estate than most people. <laughs> You switch from automotive to real estate when the economy crashed, but a WAPO was a very, very effective, like El Patron nowadays is more effective probably than he is because of social media. But back then it was, it was radio and TV. You remember Jason? Yeah. Oh yeah. The guy was the beast. And what this Mitsubishi dealership did is they brought him in to be the brand of their dealership. Oh, yeah. yeah 100%. It was $20,000 to come record one infomercial that would produce them probably maybe two, three hundred thousand dollars, and they would do it every week, every week, every week. Yeah. But um, long story short, we're, we're seeing we're seeing micro elements of that, right? Like you, you, guys, you, you guys, you yeah. guys originally when had like Jeff, Jeff Hunter, all, same thing. Yeah, when you think about it, you take social media marketing now. What is it? It's building a brand. Yep. Coming up with something very creative, right? Doesn't matter how outlandish you are. I thought, and I told El Patron this to his face, that I thought he was goofy when I first saw oh, he his is. Did he and, I, totally and, and for a year, I didn't, I didn't follow him. I thought he was goofy. I, but in the back of my mind, I kept thinking it wasn't that I thought he was goofy. It's all, why didn't I think of this is what it ended up being. <laughs> so then it ended up being an attraction to him because yeah. I mean, once I became friends with him, I thought like, Dang, man, this guy's freaking brilliant. You know, so sometimes when you see things, you may think negatively about what type of marketing or what that strategy might be. Kind of like with you, Jay. Some people think like, 
man, this guy is, you know, he, he does this or does that. But I can't sit back and think about it and see He's it. constantly drinking and just talking out the side of his it, mouth. It becomes attractive. It becomes attractive. Yeah. And um, that's what I, I, I love about marketing. That's why I got out of the car business and, and gave up the, the car businesses because I, I had more of a passion for marketing and felt that my place was more in, in doing that. And, and it's, why not? it's more thrilling to me than anything. And I love this stuff. So. And you wanted to wear we'll have to talk more about Michael Corman. You and I will. We'll oh yeah. We'll talk more about that. What is he doing? It's been years. Actually, since I've heard that name. He's living, he's living down in LA. We're actually, we just bought a place down in LA. We're moving down there. I'm going to be about, we need to do a podcast with him. Dude, I'm going to be about 30 minutes from him. And I'll go set up a podcast. Let's Me, do it. Let's podcast. do it. I'll fly out to LA. You come stay at my pad. I'm done. Out. It's it. It's, right? it's planned. Then, I'm there. Done. Done. I'm gonna <laughs> done. Dude. Done. I will. He was that, that guy. That guy encouraged me a lot. You know, and El Wape, like the, the same thing. Like I remember we're seeing some of his commercials because, like oh. I said, I was in at that point in time. I think I was in New Mexico. Yeah, uh, I was always I was selling cars in Albuquerque. Okay, and and that name floated around many many oh, times. Michael Foreman was a king, dude. Oh hell yeah, he was. He they built a runway in Modesto for him for his private jet. He was falling that hard. <laughs> he was a freaking that. celebrity. If you knew him or was associated with him, and I knew him like forever, right? Can I, you I imagine? Knew, can you imagine if you built that brand now? Oh my god, dude! He's still brilliant. He's still he's still he manages now a huge auto group down in uh, Ontario. So yeah, so uh, you just don't hear I'll much. Set that up for us. Anyways, that'd I be will. Promise. It'll be epic. It'll be big time. Yeah. All right, I think I think everybody on here has spoke except for Rob Chrisman. Rob, you got something quick for Jason before we get out of here? Yeah, I'll throw one at you. Um, so, Jason, first of all, thank you for throwing a, a grenade into my brain today and just rattling everything up. Because um, every time I think I might have something figured out, I join the Thursday call and I'm like, oh, fuck me. Here I go again. <laughs> here we go. So, um, but what you're saying makes perfect sense because when uh, – you know, it was four or five weeks ago when I first came to the group. They're like, you got to put content out. I'm like, okay, great. I bought myself a webcam and I bought myself a mic. And I'm like, I, I got two books that I wrote. So I was like, okay, I got content. Oh, yeah. Start- you already got pre-built content there, man. But I, I also found that no matter how passionate I am about the leadership stuff and the, auto- and the automotive stuff in the books, that Mondays became my favorite because I do my Momentum Monday and absolutely loved it. But I'm like, well that's really not relevant, mm-hmm. but now, now I'm here. And so, so thank you for, for all that. And I do have one question. A lot of the feedback that I seem to be getting is from right behind me as I can't even figure it out now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm told that, you know, some of the, the sports stuff, which I'm passionate about gets distracting in the videos. Uh, you yeah. just answered my question. So yeah. Thank I'm, you. I'm like, I really like, I, think I, I need a backdrop. I don't um, really care. Okay. Like, I mean, honestly, like, look, like, here's the one thing that people can oversee. They like, yeah. I mean, I'm like, how many times I've seen Derek's kids walk in the room or this, <laughs> this, this rat of a dog that he has, like, what a dog do you have? dude? Name, that's not a dog. It's a, it's a fucking accessory. Like what was that thing? The Chihuahua or something like that? Or what is it? Hey, he's a, he's a bred from uh he's a, he's a Yorkshire terrier from Paris Hilton's 
actual breed of Yorkshire Terrier. Yeah, he's a he's a fucking accessory, not a dog. Go get a dog. Um, <laughs> like you know, he's like no, dude, if it if it fits in a purse, it's not a dog. Okay, it's it's, it's just that's the rules. Um, <laughs> but but no, man, it, it, look, it's just it's just you. Like like I'm I'm literally I'm at home right now. Like I you know just before COVID you know, hit, we built this beautiful studio in our Toronto office. I've yet to actually produce a single damn thing in that office. I've been producing content in a spare bedroom in my house with the closet right behind me and nothing has changed. Like the analytics have been identical. Nothing's changed from that or anything else. Like, no, no one cares. All right, and one one just um, side question when it comes to content. You mentioned 1,300 characters to put into the text. Yes. But what is the sweet spot for length on a video? Length on a video? Oh, you know what? You can go long form. It doesn't matter. Well, 10 minutes is the max you can throw on LinkedIn, by the way. So 10 minutes is the max. Trust me, I figured that one out a few times. Um, So like our hustle videos, I have to post in a YouTube format. No, here's one biggest mistake. Do not post things like with the YouTube link. Like if you want to get, you want to get the best results, you got to post natively. It's just like, look, they reward the entire algorithm is designed to reward you. If you're posting like video natively, you just slapping a YouTube link in there is not going to get you the attention that it's looking for because LinkedIn does not want to open up a fucking YouTube link. They don't. They want you to stay on the platform. They want you to be engaged on the platform, you know? So don't, don't, don't just, it drives me bloody bonkers. I tell Sean, I tell uh, Sean Welsh all the time. It drives me nuts that he continues to post stuff on his YouTube. And I'm like, dude, just got to upload that natively. (laughs) But it's 10 minutes. 10 minutes is the max that you can put on LinkedIn. Anything over that, just post a little shorter version of it with a link so that someone can go watch a full version of it. Now, when you do post... Sorry, go ahead. I've basically been trying to keep it to about two minutes. Is that too short at that point or? No, two minutes is totally fine, but it doesn't really matter though. You can go even longer in that if there's, if there's enough value that kind of goes along with it. Right. And then you have to decide yourself, what is the actual goal and objective behind you actually posting the video? Right. It's like, are you going to short, are you going to post, you know, 45 seconds of the video because you want them to go consume the long form video on YouTube channels. So they have an opportunity to subscribe and hit the notification button, all the other stuff. Right. Like, I think what it is, is like, we have a tendency of wanting to like, kind of like just continue to post content because it's a good idea, but we don't necessarily have like a goal and objective behind it. Right. Like, you know, you'll find most of my post, I'm posting the shorter form of the post, but then I'm driving you to strategy with Jason. All right. Website. So you can consume the long form of it. Uh, that way I can actually collect all the analytics and data where you're located and how much time you spend on the site and blah, 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 blah. So that I know how to make better content moving forward. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Mm-hmm. So you got something to say, or go ahead. Well, I was going to say that um, this pack past week, Evelyn made a post, and we're trying to figure out why or how this happened. It's unheard of. All right. This is like super ultra influencer shit, right? Two hundred thousand views. Ooh. 500 comments boom right evelyn now you're gonna go make me look it up so look you gotta look this up jason if anybody on here could crack the code of what she did we'll put the post we'll put the link to the post into the chat 
we diagnosed it with the hashtags and everything else, but this thing flat out crushed it. And I've never seen anything like it in my life. So I have noticed, which, which maybe wasn't have too, is that LinkedIn has changed some of the algorithms. To me, it seems they've changed some because one day I posted some, well, let me give you an example right now. Paul Meyer, are you there? Paul, I posted the pic earlier of you and I made the Morpheus comment, right? You saw me post that. That thing's gotten almost 300 and something views in the last hour and a half. No tags, no posts, one hashtag. Uh, there's also time, timing. Could be timing. Because there's a real but estate thing. Figure out, we're trying to figure out why Evelyn's post got that much activity because if that happened, how can us on the think tank monopolize that recipe and grow with it? Which post was it? You, did, have, you, have you added the post I'm in the chat? So I can send it to you, Jason. We're going to add it right now. Put it, put it, it was done on a, put it, put on it, a it, weird it. hour. We, we tried everything. We, well, I, uh, Justin duplicated it and I got 10 views. You get 6,500? And I get like 10,000, she gets 200,000. Yeah, she got 10,000, she got two, there's 200,000 views on her post. Hey it's Kel, like, send it to Jason so he has it. Yeah, cause I'm, I'm about two weeks back now and I'm not seeing it yet. Let me call her. Dude, it's the goofiest thing I've ever saw in my life. But where is it? We, we in the thing in at Think Ad Group sat and analyzed it, right? We all pushed together a different recipe. Okay, it was this, it was this, it was this. We all tried it. Posted we it. reposted stuff. We put crazy tags, crazy posts. I couldn't break a thousand. Chat, Jason, it's in the chat. It's in the okay. chat? Okay, okay, let me look. Yeah, I couldn't break a thousand on, on the same recipe. All right, let's take a look. I want to take a look. Now you got me. Now you, you piqued my interest so much. I'm like 200,000, uh, bro. And since she did it because I was tagged in it, my, my, how many times was it shared? It's grown tremendously over the past week. How, how, how many, how many times was it shared? I don't know. How do you tell? You have to you have to ask Evelyn because you can't see it on this side. I can only see there's 624 um, likes, shares, or likes, and then there's 214 comments, and so I won't be able to see the actual view count or the uh, or how many times it was shared. Exaggerating, but by the way, <laughs> view count was um, what's that? Derek's famous for exaggerating. He said 500. I didn't say 500. I said 200. Oh, I think you said 500. No, 200,000 views. You know what? There has been, and it's funny I'll because actually, a, um, LinkedIn, and TikTok, LinkedIn and TikTok has actually talked about this before, where they call it an, yeah, algo an, algo an algorithm lottery. What's interesting, what's interesting is that everybody lives on Facebook, right? Yeah. So when somebody posts a, a, a creates a post that says that they they deleted it five years ago. And just poses a question, that's got to pique everybody's interest. Wow. Yeah, I, my my interest is yeah, here is is, is how many is how many people from LinkedIn actually engaged with this, and how how many of them said, okay, look, this is a good post. It needs to be, it needs to be, yes. it needs to be pushed. 
How many, let me ask her, how many of you? I just told her to post the screenshot, like a live screenshot of her, uh, of the uh, analytics. Yeah, yeah. But um, to me, seeing the I deleted Facebook and LinkedIn is my friend makes it very popular. That's very huge, right? LinkedIn's. Those two things. Motives. Yeah, sometimes we, sometimes we call it network lottery. And actually, I've actually talked to people at Facebook. They actually admit that there is a, a network lottery um, algorithm that looks for a network-friendly post. And it will literally just, because look, it, it's all about, it's, it, it's, it's all about real estate. It's all it is. All right. So something in that post triggered the algorithm to say, I need to put this in 100,000 more people's, you know, profiles. Yeah. Or two million other people's profiles. Oh, she just what is that? her phone died. She just posts the stats. Two hundred thousand views, six hundred and twenty-three likes, and two hundred and fourteen comments. How many shares? Three. Ah uh, yeah. It's totally an algorithm. Totally <clears throat> it's that hundred percent is algorithm lottery right there. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it happens. I've seen this happen many times. I actually had a dealership where this happened, where it was like, we posted something not outside of what we normally post for the dealership, you know, that we have been posting for three years. And this one time, this one time, it just took off. And then each one after that kind of got some better because there was so much additional exposure that went along with it. Right. I think Derek, Derek, are you looking for your little rat? Is it running around? Is that what you're looking for? Go ahead. Did you find your rat? Is it running around? <laughs> I was actually talking to my girlfriend. Someone get a leash for Derek's rat. Um, let's um. To, oh, <laughs> Michael, we got your kid in the room. Let's talk to him. Kids are more important than anything. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, he had to hold our rat up since we're, we're talking about small dogs. <laughs> we, oh look at that can you fit it in a purse no he can't fit in a purse so i wouldn't okay, so then it's okay it's a dog oh, okay <laughs> i'll never live this down now dude. <laughs> what's your boy and the dog's name this is michael jr michael jr that's a hell of a dog's jr. name no what's your son's name <laughs> the dog is max oh <laughs> max, all right. Um, I think everybody, uh, Fred, you are Michael's brother-in-law. You want to talk at all? You're usually a quiet guy. That's okay. I like Fred's profile pic. Jerry, you want to talk at all? I feel like it's a bounty hunter looking for I know, him. right? Like I'm good. good. I appreciate <laughs> it, though. Just right. taking in the knowledge. He's pretty quiet, too. Um, <laughs> Let's go to Paul. Paul only talked for a second in the beginning. Paul, other than intimidating us this entire time. <laughs> this entire time. Morpheus. time, intimidating Morpheus. us. What do you got for us? It's one of my biggest posts ever of Morpheus. Okay. Well, Jason's post the other day about the used car thing. Uh, that was pretty interesting, right? We know it's on point as vendors. The dealers don't necessarily want to admit that it's on point. Of course not. Uh, so I engaged with it, and I actually got the, a couple of the guys to say, wow, that's an interesting way of looking at it. You, you raised some interesting points there. Uh, I, I, and my comment was, I would have worded it a little bit differently myself, <laughs> but still have gotten the point across 
of the facts that he revealed, right? Mm -hmm. he, you are just more in your face about it. Um, I believe out of everything bad comes something good. And as a result of that, I actually connected with two of the used car guys. And one of them is going to be on my show. Hey, just, there uh, you go. About what day and, <laughs> but all because of that post where you call these guys out. And, but it's, it's so true. It's the majority of the, the used car guys that, that are that way. Because I've gone into plenty of stores where these guys, they have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. You show up, they've got birthday cards sitting there. I almost feel like bringing a cake sometimes, you know, and sing a happy birthday for them. <laughs> and, but yet, they don't want to spend the 800 bucks on the tool that, with the click of a mouse, will syndicate to everywhere, will update all of the pricing up or down with safeguards built in. They're so afraid of letting go of control that they'd rather spend the 20 hours a week than not. It's, it's almost a way of just- Oh, we, 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 make we make decisions based on fear. And it happens, and it happens more often, I think, at the used car department than any other department out there. I, I kind of I think back to when McDonald's switched to kiosk. Does any, anybody remember how insane that was and how much social media there was like, good God, McDonald's is replacing you know, a third of their entire workforce with kiosk. And now like who the hell doesn't want to go to McDonald's and actually not, not touch a kiosk. Like it's the, look, it's the best thing in the world. I don't have to, like, I get, the order's perfect every single time. All right. I get to take my time and look through multiple things. I can adjust the way I want it to adjust. It's like, it's on my time, not somebody else's time. Right. So like people are, people are afraid of that technology is going to replace them. So, you know, they will do everything and anything they possibly can to avoid technology. I think people are afraid of change yeah, in general, just, just change in general. But technology will definitely eliminate some positions. There's no question. But at the same time, it will give birth to whole new positions, whole new industries, whole new 100%. jobs that didn't exist before. Hundred percent. Have to roll with it. Yeah, I mean, like I have, I have, I, I just talked, I just did a meeting the other day with a dealer group that hired a young gentleman who just finished his MBA, and you know what he's doing? He is literally doing used car sales, no, but not the sales. Sorry, in, in, inventory acquisition. So used car acquisition. That is what his job is. All right. Huge. Never sold a car in his life. All right, but is sitting there and pouring over data. Data after data after data after data and building models based on inventory levels and the cost of the inventory and price points of the inventory and the, the model of the inventory and all this stuff. And there's an entire position that's been created that never existed before because of the complexity that is the used car department. There's software that's been available for many years mm -hmm. that will compile all this data and give the dealers the ability to leverage it. I mean, this thing, there's no, there's no ego, there's no personality, there's no sick time, there's no breaks, there's no anything. You know, the, the, the guru knows it from, you only know what you know, but the beauty of the technology is the technology knows what it doesn't know. 100%. By virtue of having access to so many data points. Oh yeah. I mean, look, 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 some, some, some of the biggest disruptors in our industry are all based on data. I mean, look at true car. It's all based on data, right? That's all it is. 
You know, I mean, look at the Carvanas of the world. It's all based on data. People are like, oh, well, they're not pro- they're they're not profitable. But okay, fine. Give yeah, them a few more Amazon. years. Now look at them. Uh, exactly the same damn thing was being said about Amazon. What did I just watch something on social the other day of an of a, 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 a um, an interview with uh, Bezos, and he's like driving a like a '96 Accord. <laughs> like he's like he didn't give a crap about being profitable. He was going to build a machine, and he did it. You know, and it's like, it's like the people that are fearful of change are the ones that, you know, make the stupid comments out there and, you know, want to fight and argue with it. But I do feel like there is a fair amount of people that are warranting change, embracing change, welcoming change, right? They just have to process in their head is how much change can they actually operationally handle at one given time. And you know, what's interesting is that the, the technology advancements have changed a lot of dealers for the good. But by the same token, the majority of them would rather complain about the guys coming in than learn from it and formulate a plan to improve. And a perfect example of that is um, CarMax. More than two decades ago, they changed the game completely. All right. It is so accepted today that they changed the game that when car, if we're sitting in the lunchroom with a customer, and a customer walks in, it is accepted policy for every dealer, every dealer across the country to get up, take your lunch tray, give it to CarMax, and just leave that lunchroom. They've accepted it. You don't hear anybody talking smack about um, you know, CarMax at all. 100%. 100%. They've accepted it. Now Carvana, oh, they're not profitable. Oh, they don't have their own service departments yet. Yet, who cares? You got to buy market to establish yourself, right? 100%. Once you've come in, it's like when Home Depot first came out, they blew out every local hardware store just about. They had more people. They had probably five people to every customer walking in. Oh, what do you need? Tripping over themselves. Once yep. they knock the other guys out, how long does it take you to find an associate at Home Depot today? <laughs> it's totally good. They're wearing orange. That's well, true. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I have the same dog. I have one of those Yorkies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, so, uh, they have their own show, by the way. Hey, if you guys uh, do a Facebook search for the adventures of Ben and Oreo, you'll see their shows. They have many shows. <laughs> Your Yorkies, dude. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, go something like this. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Adventures of Ben and Oreo, starring our boys, Ben, zoom in on the dog, and Oreo, the cat. I was in Las Vegas talking to Scott Joseph, and this woman comes running over. She lives in South Carolina. She says, I knew you looked familiar, and I knew you sounded familiar, because I watched The Adventures of Ben and Oreo on Facebook. (laughs) We actually... uh... On our website, if you guys ever go look at our staff page, you'll see that um, all the all of our dogs, Justin's dogs, my dogs, they all have the best roles in the company. Of course, they're like run the company, and uh, we've had we've had so many people say like, "Dang, man, that's really cool, man! I get the dogs." This is little Benji right here. This is old Benji. Hey, but, Benji. Say what's up. All right. I know. You're not a dog, but it's okay. It's <laughs> an accessory. Raised up and let's go to bed. Everybody's ready for bed. Charles, what you got quick? 
So I, w- I was just going to chime in on what you were talking about change, you know, people being mm-hmm. scared to change. I have always, you know, I- I've kind of drove some dealer principles nuts uh, because, you know, <laughs> I'm constantly changing. Hey, this is new. This is what's on trend right now. Great. Let's, let's roll with it. Let's sure. go. I've always looked at it. If you're not changing, you're not moving forward. Good point. You're just standing still, you know, and so, and it's not going, you know, racing after, you know, oh, there's a squirrel, but, you know, uh, it has to be somewhat calculated, but, you know, if, if you're not changing, you're not really moving forward. That's, that's just how I've always viewed it. Yep. Uh, on the vendor side from earlier, um, you know, it was, we were talking about, being able to get and get that time with someone. So I have never worked for Cox automotive. I'll tell you what though, I've sold a hell of a lot of products for them. Um, but it, how they found me was that I was always calling into support and trying to find some backdoor way to make something work a little bit better. Sure. And they're like, this guy knows something about technology. And I would get with trainers and I would ask absurd questions and just, well, how can we tie this together? And they're like, he's starting to see the full picture. And so they started calling me on stores that they were having problems across the country. Like, hey, you know, they've got this and this and this, and they really need this. Mm -hmm. See the full picture. Can you, as a dealer, or as, you know, a salesperson or an internet manager, explain to them how this is going to save them time, how it's going to do this. And I mean, I didn't get paid off of it. I love helping people. Sure. So, you know, and, uh, but if you can find, you know, in your service industries or whatever product or solution you're selling, if you ever see somebody that is, seems to be asking more questions than anybody else, and it could just be a salesperson. That's probably your key into furthering your sales with that company or even within that auto group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've converted, you know, I'm in an auto group right now that they were using four different CRMs. Wow. Absolutely insanity. I've seen it happen. And, you know, had reports for reports for reports because they couldn't get all their data compiled into one system. And well, they're all in one system now because yeah. I'm so passionate about it. And I'm like, you guys are idiots for doing this. You're wasting all this time. But it all started from me calling into support and calling into the same guy every single time. Cause I finally found Cause they, cause they were listening to you. Like right. a, a business has to have the flexibility to actually listen to its clients and make changes based on what the clients is, you know, like it's, it's too many companies out there are just, yeah, they paint by numbers. All right. Like we, we, we gotta get we, like as a vendor, you can't paint by numbers. You, you gotta literally just consume every piece of information and, and be flexible enough and empower your team so they can actually take action on the information that they're receiving. That's cool. Good story, Charles. All right, Charles. Thanks. Uh, I I think we've we've hit everybody. Time for bed. Let's get Jason to bed. Yeah, it must be late because Derek's not even drinking. He's like drinking water or something like that. Like it's last call and he's like, oh. 
Oh, I better put some. I better put. I better put some water down before I go to bed. I don't want to wake Dude. up tomorrow with a hangover. <laughs> hey, it's not my fault. I'm out here in California. I get up way earlier than you guys to get on your guys' Zoom calls and all this stuff. I gotta be. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. The Blackjack table. Thanks, guys. You guys are the best, man. Jason Harris, thank you very much, sir. You're a amazing. lot of fun, guys. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Jason. We really Everybody appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Good night. Have, have, have a good one. Thanks, Thanks Jason. Jason. Thank you. All right. Bye.